evening, and welcome to Evenings with Rich Buchanan ASMR edition. <laughs> no, not really. It's your boy, JPM. I've got a new microphone, and here is my voice in Dolby 5.1 surround sound with all of the low-end frequency that you can possibly imagine. However, enough about that. It's been a while. We've been away because we've been really busy. And now tonight, I am joined with my faithful co-hosts, Mr. Christopher Hines, Mr. Nicholas Box, and our wonderful, incredible, special guest co-host, Miss Alison Prickler. Hey. I don't know why I waved. I forget that no one yeah. see us. <laughs> Just <laughs> letting the audience know that you got your sweet upgraded camera. <laughs> yeah, no one could see her, though. No one could appreciate, yeah. <laughs> no one could appreciate you know, James Sounds banner, but... I've got, I've got a good, you know, camera going on today and no one to appreciate it. Oh, except for you guys. I'm appreciating it, Chris. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. It. You're at crystal quality. I could watch you on an IMAX. Thanks. We could see every <laughs> grain of the rare mineral. I can see it. I can see it just behind oh, those. Let me get it. Let me get it. Yes. Yeah, I knew. See, I saw a little bit of jar, and I'm like, I bet it's that rare mineral. Hello, baby. He's broken his camera. Oh, no. What's going on? The rare mineral near it. It's gone. No, I'm not having it. Imaging edge webcam. Yeah, hold on. I'm turning the the camera on and off. See, you jinxed it. Everything was going really well, and then it's got some sort of powers, and if you put electronics near it, it ruins it. There's a curse, like, if we're too close to figuring out what it might be, if we see think, it in I that HD quality. I think it's plutonium. I was going to say, is it radioactive? Well, wherever <laughs> it is, wherever it is, my webcam ain't working anymore. Oh, no! What's <laughs> <laughs> happened? So it's much for that crystal quality. It working. I'm going to have to, might have to switch to a, a lesser quality one. Altig. <laughs> <laughs> As always, ladies and gentlemen, we are always on the cutting edge of technology. <laughs> and for myself, it's taken an entire podcast season to get a decent microphone. Chris has now just got an amazing new quality webcam, which has now just totally gone off the grid due to rare mineral potentially being <laughs> radioactive. Um, the it's only really hard. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> I'm switching to another one for a second. I got two. I'm like, it's fine. I got a backup. <laughs> Why is it not working? <laughs> it's, it's, it's just so comical. The comical irony is the most consistent audiovisual, <laughs> the most consistent audiovisual, um, like all around her has been Alison in this whole series. Like the the crystal quality of the webcam, great audio. Whereas us three guys, we're just total crap. We really are. We're, we're hopeless. It's but of course... Of it's part of the charm. Our, our budgetness, our cluelessness. You know. Uh, I do. Oh, no, I'm back. I'm back. Are you? Are you? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, on, I'm on the settings. Bear with me. It's, it's uh, right. That's okay. Well, but in the meantime, in the meantime, let's ask... Our, oh, there you are. Oh, yeah. You're back. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in the meantime, let's go and see Oh, how... no, don't curse it again. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I can see every little bit. There you go. So That's a rare mineral. mineral. Ignore it. Ignore it. He's done oh. it again! <laughs> oh my god, why? Why would you. <laughs> you played with fire! 
It'll come back. Rare Mineral has broken Chris's webcam again. <laughs> but anyway, let's go to our wonderful guest co-host, Alison. Alison, how have you been? It's been a while. I've been good. Uh, right now, I'm just I'm playing a lot of Pokemon Snap. That's what I'm doing right now. Oh, yeah, it came out yesterday, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's been so fun. I've been totally off the grid of well everything recently. So tell me about Pokemon Snap. You know, I'm well, assuming it's sort of like Pokemon Go. No. Yeah, well, like, um, like 20 years ago, uh, for, like, the N64, they did Pokemon Snap, where you go and, like, take pictures of Pokemon like you're a nature photographer, and they made a new one, so that yeah. one just got released uh, the other day, and, yeah, super relaxing, super fun. Well, I wanted to get it, but uh, <laughs> Resident Evil, I wanted it, but Resident Evil's out next Friday as well, and I want that to, so I can only get one or the other, so I think I'm going to I think I'm going for Resi. <laughs> Yeah. What if they they made like an equivalent like you know uh, resident snap, and oh. then you're like taking pictures of zombies in their environment? Oh, know, that so would you be really kind of sneak through the bushes, get the picture <laughs> of them like chomping on a brain. That would be really cool. Oh, Chris is back with a different webcam. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna let the um, the camera recover from the mineral. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mineral, mineral action. It was as soon as I put the mineral near it as well. Yeah, the, keep the mineral off the camera. <laughs> you only got I'm one left now. Health. I've had it in my house for years. What's going on? So, so Chris, technical glitches aside, how have you been? Um, yeah, I've not been too bad. I've got really into playing Apex, Apex Legends. You ever play Apex? Heard silence there. I'm sure yeah. some people. <laughs> you go around shooting people, and it's quite fun. It's a bit like a a better version of Fortnite, I guess, or like Counter Strike or something. Isn't it, like, over. isn't it like Fortnite and Overwatch? Isn't it like a team? It's a team based one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've been playing a bit of that. Just been doing stuff for my film. I've started a greenhouse. That's been fun. I've got a greenhouse. I'm growing cucumbers and stuff. Are you inside your greenhouse at the moment? I could be. I mean, I've got plenty <laughs> behind me. There's, there's more. Look, there's plenty here. Look, I've got a whole menagerie. Of Are those all real too? Yeah, they're all real. Wow. And I've, got more, I've got more over here. I've got five cucumber plants. I've got some peppers. There's a fern. There's a spider plant. Yeah, we, we, we like plants in this house. We've got another one here. Wow. And there's a dragon tree over there. I'm gonna guess you don't have you don't let the indoor pets like around the plants because mine would just chew them up. Oh, they try to. They try. We always <laughs> have to chuck them out of the room if they if they do. Especially Millie. Yeah, Millie is the the pain in the butt. That's always chewing on the spider plant. I'm get, that's that's your cat, right? Yeah. Well, there's eight of them. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what we can see. So Millie, Millie's the naughty one when it comes to plants. What I can see in the background is an acoustic guitar. You're not one of these people that sings to your plants, are you? Um, sometimes I do some uh, Venga Boys, um, oh. Eureka Inglazes. Uh, classic. Speaking, right, speaking of Enrique, right, you know I'm going out to Massachusetts in yes. September, early October. I found out the only concert that's actually viable for me to go to out there whilst I am there is a double headliner of Enrico Iglesias and Ricky Martin. That's oh awesome. my god! That's like 1999 on a gig. You got to oh go. my god! <laughs> that sounds incredible. I, I I was actually thinking about it because I just thought, oh my god, Ricky Martin in Boston is going to be sick. But then I looked at the price and I was just like, oh, it's like 175 dollars. That's steep. 
I know. I, I, I just couldn't do it to myself. <laughs> I still can't believe that you don't want to go and see the Venger Boys for um, New Year's Eve. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm good. <laughs> it's got to be brilliant. I mean, how, okay, explain this. How do you like the village people, but you don't like Venger Boys? Because the village people have credibility. So do the Venger Boys. They're one of the best European uh, acts of all time. The village people had a really good movie, though. The Venger Boys haven't got their own movie. And yeah. they did, the, 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 um, the village people also had Italian ice cream for that movie called Can't Stop the Nuts. I was not familiar with it. That's 100% real. It was called Can't Stop the Nuts. Oh my goodness. I had no idea of this. But also, I will give uh, the village people some extra credit because they played a reunion, not a reunion show, but they played a very recent show at a riot fest in America. Mm-hmm couple of years ago and there was a massive uh, wall of death to ymca and there was a massive mosh pit to macho man and it was one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen in life it's oh, is, incredible it can't be like a, a reunion right isn't it like only like one member of the village people is the original one anymore yeah like the the bdsm one or something (laughs) yeah i think it's uh it's the main singer who's still there but he's just hired a load of hunky new muscly oily men to do all the uh like the builder guy ended up ripping his shirt off during macho man flinging it out into the crowd started fist pumping like yeah (laughs) but um yeah i i think the village people are the best pop group ever like period and the venga boys are merely just but um nostalgia you leave them alone. I've seen them live and they were great. <laughs> I do not doubt that for one moment. <laughs> but moving on from the Venga bus, <clears throat> how is Mr. Nick Box doing? How have you been, sir? I've been all right. I've been in a bit of a weird void the last month. Um, well, like a vortex? Like, yeah, like a vortex. A bit like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I just... Um, uh, a few things came to me and I came to some realisations and I had to just calm down on all of my creative projects i was working on because i was just spending too much time and money on them all um so i decided just to take a step back for a little bit um in the midst of all that the nft stuff blew up a little bit but i've i've taken a step back from that as well and i've got back into um model rc cars um i used to be into it as a kid um so i decided i wanted to get back into that building little radio controlled cars um so I've I've built like a little workbench in my in my uh, movie room out of a, a wallpaper pasting table, and I bought a load of cars off of eBay and some lots that are all broken, and I've been trying to fix them all. <laughs> so yeah, I've just been doing that. Um, yeah, so it's been a bit different. It's been a bit weird, like trying to take a step back from the games and all my creative stuff, but because I'm obviously addicted to it all. But I just it's costing me too much time and money at the moment. Um, so I need to really take, take a step back from it all. Uh, but obviously the podcast is a creative thing. I've started writing a book as well. Um, I believe I mentioned to Chris and James, but yeah, I'm writing a book about the greatest song ever written, uh, Tarzan Boy by Baltimore. Oh uh, my it's, gosh. It's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's more a novel, um, but it's kind of a, a, a biography about myself and about, um, Baltimore as well. So it's kind of true and kind of fiction at the same time. So yeah, I've started writing that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, Final. Yeah, so that that's something I've been picking away at. Uh, I saw great. my I saw my parents for the first time this year, um, so that was that was exciting. 
and I've now completed all my jabs. So, Hell stop yeah. making me jealous, Chris. Uh, for those of you that are uh, listening, basically Chris is like waving, waving his Baltimore vinyls in front of me. Uh, but yeah, Baltimore uh, Tarzan Boy is the greatest song ever written. It's the most positive song of all time. And if the world would just stop for three minutes and 40 seconds and everyone listen to that song at the same time, the world would be fixed and the world would be a better place because it's the most right. positive song. Oh, you, you, know that, you know that story I told you about a certain song by the Rednecks getting played at a very inappropriate time? It yeah. could have almost <laughs> been Tarzan Boy because that was played as a few songs before. <laughs> but should, should, should I tell the story? Yeah, but that would have, that would have made it would have had a completely different outcome. If we okay. played Tarzan Boy, it would have been so much better. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell you the story. So, me and my girlfriend were driving because she's got horses, and we were driving down to the um, uh, the livery yard to go and clean out the horses. And I decided that I'd be in. I'm, I'm in charge of the music, so I was just playing like classics, like Scatman. We played Tarzan Boy, right. And then, and literally, we had all the windows down. I remember we were going past this school, and I was like going, oh, 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 really loud out the window. I saw these school kids. <clears throat> and then um, we, I blasted out uh, Pop in an Oak by the Rednecks, which I don't know if you're familiar, but it is the follow-up to Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, I think it's better. I think that. it's better as well. But I think yeah. the way I mate is even better than that. It's like, that's another story. Up and <laughs> really upbeat and everything, right? So we had, like, imagine it all again, all the windows down, this blasting, we come round this corner, next thing we know, within feet of us, are people carrying a coffin to a funeral, where we are blasting, <laughs> hopping an oak, by the rednecks. <laughs> oh no! Obviously, we couldn't help, but when we were past it, we just burst out laughing, because we were like, oh my god, that is like... The, um, just to be those people there to hear bumping out all as we fly past. But yet, that, that could have easily been Tarzan Boy. Yeah, Tarzan Boy, the corpse would have got up and come back to the was me hanging out the window going, oh, <laughs> oh my god. We just like, oh my god, we're going to hell. But uh, I really hope that it le- someone there it made someone smile because it was funny. Like, it was <laughs> the most. Really? I just hope it wasn't someone's daddy in an oak coffin. <laughs> maybe, maybe their family had a good sense of humor, and they're like, you know what, we needed that. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it yeah. brought a bit of cheer to an otherwise, you know, sad, <laughs> I, sad day. But I do prefer oh. popping an oak. I did at the time, but I, unfortunately, right, I can't listen to Cotton Eye Joe anymore because um, I lived when I, when I left uni. Um, I moved back into this like flat with my parents. It was kind of like a bungalow, but it was like a flat underneath it, and this woman that lived beneath us, every time she had a man round, and obviously was getting up with some sexy time, she'd play Cotton Eye Joe really loud, so like, <laughs> now whenever I, whenever I hear like Cotton Eye Joe, I keep thinking of this woman having sex with men. Well, if you get the wrong song, it should be The Way I Mate. The Way I Mate, yeah, the, but The Way I Mate is like the most epic, epic thing the Rednecks ever did. But, um, See, the, really the Rednecks know. aren't actually, they weren't actually like an American group, right? They were, no, they were doing Dutch, kind of, yeah, I think they were yeah, Dutch. and they were just kind of doing the Redneck American thing for the, it's like, it was like Euro Joe. yeah, it was like Europop, but with a Redneck flavor. Um, How weird, what a weird band. They were the first band, right, to ever try to sell themselves. Oh yeah, they did, didn't they? Like, yeah, like, they were trying to sell, yeah, they sell their, themselves and their entire catalogue and all the rights to all of their music and them, 
uh, for a million. I thought that was million... going somewhere completely different for a moment. No, for a million years. <laughs> oh. like, literally, buy them. Like, they would be your slaves. They would carry on making, playing the music, and you could tour them, you could do whatever you want. They were going to sell themselves for a million. Did anyone take up the offer? I don't know. I know, I know it was a bit of a story when it first came It feels like up. a steal, one mil. Well, you think the amount of... Who owns the rednecks? You see, the amount of royalties they must have made off of Cotton Eye Joe already, they're probably already like mega rich anyway, so it's like a million to them's nothing. I mean, it's timeless now, isn't it? It's a, mm. it's a timeless classic. Yeah, I mean, I've once read about how much vanilla ice makes a year just off of royalties oh, for Ice Ice Baby. It's like ridiculous. Mm. So, well, not, yeah. Not just vanilla ice, but also, um, well, David Bowie and Queen's estate also get oh, a, yeah. a cut from that as well. Oh, true, they really do, under pressure. It's... Oh yeah, but the, the Ninja Rat the, from Ninja Turtles two—that's just down him. Yeah, he makes all the money for that. He makes that movie. Well, that the... that's—I think that's the one of the songs that like he will absolutely do in concert. But he's like he's touchy about Ice Ice Baby. I don't know. He kind of no, goes off and on, so he, he does, might do it now. He but does do it, but he, he beefs but it like, up. He's got like a guitar or something. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got like a metal version out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like yeah. when he's, he goes into the go ninja, go ninja, go, like he'll do that. Yeah. He's into that. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he own like a bike shop as well? I think he owns a bike shop. <laughs> yeah, he's big into that kind of thing. Surely he should have made ice cream. That would have made <laughs> you No, know, I think he did. I think he. I remember uh, last year, um, me and a couple of my friends, we, I don't know if I told you guys about this, but I watched this really crap movie with starring Vanilla Ice. Right? Don't say Call of Ice is crap, because it's one of the greatest films ever. That's ex- it's at the one where <laughs> What other Vanilla Ice film is there? You say yeah. a Vanilla Ice it's film as if it was like a movie Call star. Ice. Is that nice. <laughs> it's a perfect, perfect movie, James. It's a perfect. It, 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 it's that the one where he um he makes that um he, he rides into town with his mates on his motorbikes and he yeah. makes a woman jump and she falls off her horse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. It's so bad that it's amazing. I have it on VHS and I'm proud of it. Uh, I've been trying to get the laser disc for years. There's a Blu-ray now. There's actually a, a UK released Blu-ray is just recently, well, a couple of years ago, came out. I did have the video shop poster for it as well. You know what? Uh, the aesthetic of that movie is very good. Because they shoot really it like good. a music video from 1990-whatever mm. it was. I mean, the thing is, it's actually... Like, it's, 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 I mean, his acting's bad, right? But the the actual like gist of it, like him riding into this town that's not cool and making it cool... Right, and it like you said, it, it, it's it's really well made. It's like you, you couldn't say it's a badly made film. It's a, it's it's beautiful looking, and it's it kind of this weird sort of like Americana sort of feel to it. But um, it's exactly yeah. what you would think a, a movie starring Vanilla Ice would look and sound and feel like. It's exactly what it was supposed to be. <laughs> I love it when they're tuning up uh, the, the motorbikes and then they just decide to end up, what was it, they had a dance-off or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and they hang out with, like, the old couple in, like, the Pee Wee Herman-looking house. Yeah. yeah. While they fix up their bikes. <laughs> that old couple know everything about fixing bikes and stuff like that. But I think only one of the bikes breaks when they first get there and then all of a sudden all their bikes are getting, like, worked on. And they were some- souping them up. Yeah, some of the lines that, he's, that Vanilla Ice says to the dad and the and the oh, boyfriend are oh, they're fucking brilliant. And then when they when the baddies show up and kidnap the brother, oh. 
Oh, I love that film. I'll have to watch it. I'll you give it a, it? No, but um, now you've mentioned it, I will give it a closer it's, look. It's it like, brings us perfectly on to the first episode. Of the <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just waiting for the link there. I just wanted to do it. You know me, I like links. I'm like, that was, gone on for days. That was a... Oh, my God. That was a great transition. <laughs> that was such a good transition. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for those transitions. 36 <laughs> minutes in and we haven't even started talking about the episode yet. <laughs> But of course, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, we're going to go on with our first episode of tonight, Series 1, Episode 21, Closer Look. Now, That's the German version, obviously. I think it's just the doppelganger. The doppelganger, right. Okay, hang on. Sorry, slow computer and not being prepared. Uh, we are so professional, it's amazing. Mm. Oh, yeah. it's beginning. Yeah. We're, all, we're all patiently waiting, Nick. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, a close <laughs> look. Dewey Morgan, an old friend of Mitch, begs him to investigate his estranged wife, McKenna, who doesn't seem to be her old self. Dewey suspects that she's an imposter. It's right! Yeah! Taken uh-huh. 21 episodes, but it's right! <laughs> that is very, very on the money. C- can, I, can I give a, a quick... A quick note about this episode straight from the beginning. No Garner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No Just Garner's Garner. friend at the police station ran these prints. That's about it we get for Garner. No Garner. That did not impress me whatsoever. I'm just, just getting that out there now. Yeah, I was I was mildly upset about that. You know, I would... I would well, I'll, I'll get to my thoughts about Garner not being there momentarily. Cause I would have, stage, stage in the game, you know, we, we, want, we want as much Garner and Teague as we can. But you know what, next time, double dose of Garner. Ooh. Oh, yeah, you did pre warn us about that. Yeah. Well, there's only one left, so she's got to be in one of them. Mm-hmm. If it's a double dose, shouldn't he be in this one? The doppelganger, and then you could have had two Garners. What the fuck? Or the Vortex, you could have had. Well, you, could, you could have two Garners <laughs> in an actual Baywatch episode. There's uh, there's one where uh, they're making a show within a show, and there's an actor who looks exactly like him named Sly Hutchinson. Who's <laughs> kind of an asshole ladies' man. <laughs> so there's like two Gregory Allen Williams like playing off each other. It's very good. Amazing. That's what we need. But not this episode. Anyway, James, let's crack in. Yes, let us crack on. So series one, episode twenty one, closer look. So this episode begins where Griff in his photography profession is on the beach with a lady dressed as Princess Jasmine from Aladdin. Uh, <laughs> With some, with a very sparkly dress, um, who is trying to get the good shot for Griff because basically the premise is she wants a decent enough photographic image to actually show that she's the next biggest, best action hero, female action hero, um, because there never has been up until this point in time. And it turns out that, um, that's the... just demonstrably untrue, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was I mean, thinking that. Was no one heard Rob of Rock. Cynthia Rothrock at all? <laughs> <laughs> Cynthia Rothrock, Bridget Nielsen. Yeah. Um, there was quite a few. Yeah, they they referenced Baywatch yeah. Nights in Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. They didn't Sigourney, want to acknowledge that. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver. So yeah, there's been wiped yeah. from history. They don't yeah. Why the harem outfit? If she's like, I'm the next action star. I'm going to dress like Jasmine. Well, that's what the sleazeball boyfriend wanted to wear. Yes. Harry. And, yes, Harry. 
the sleazeball manager slash is it like husband or boyfriend? So it turns out that um, you know Griff questioned her costume of choice, which it then turns out that this uh, guy called Harry, who's looming in the background in his suit and tie, uh, looking a little bit seedy, uh, chose the outfit. So Griff's kind of like woman and are in about oh I don't know I don't think it's like the right you know costume and was basically saying there needs to be like a, a change in costume. So Harry and his suits in the background are getting a bit angry at Griff. And uh, so Griff's calling him out on his shit, uh, calling him insecure, defensive and inadequate, which I thought <laughs> I was just like, he is identifying toxic masculinity on the beach. I was just like, you call him out, Griff. And so like, so Harry's getting very irate about um, what well, with Griff over nothing, basically. He thinks he wants to see... Um, this lady um, a bit more lesser clothed. So yeah, Harry... What it was is because he asked what her, her favourite action star was. She said Sylvester Stallone. And he was like, yeah, well, imagine if him, he's normally got his top off holding <laughs> a gun. So yeah. Harry, for some reason, assumes that that means that that she should be having her top off. Well, yeah, but I mean, the way that Griff goes about it, Griff does seem to be hinting that maybe she should go topless for this shot. Because, like, Griff's (laughs) like, well, Stallone wouldn't be dressed in this, like, in this harem outfit. Like, he would be stripped down to the waist and greased up. Like, that seems like he's hinting. So him going like, whoa, buddy, I didn't say that. Seems like he was just covering his bases there. I don't think... In this episode, a few times, Griff does come off as a creepy photography perv, especially a bit later on when he's got girls bouncing on a trampoline. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is kind well, of well, a creep Let's mention something about Griff I've noticed as well. Griff is a, like, Griff's not good with his photography equipment. The amount of times he walks away and leaves all his equipment in different places. <laughs> this time he walks away without taking his lights. Later on, he does the same with the girls on the trampoline. This is thousands of pounds worth of, equi- of equipment. He just leaves lying around. But have you noticed what he never seems to actually like really focus on the shot or like you know look at look like, like normally you'd think that either someone would at least show you how to handle a camera you very rarely see his prints that's all it needs to be said i think yeah. the only time they showed his prints was that time he was taking pictures of a of a lady in a shower and she got killed oh yeah <laughs> he was doing pervy like non-consensual pictures in the shower and then like <laughs> and then we're supposed to be on his side i guess Basically, he's a terrible photographer. We should also state that the, the lady involved is um, called, well, she's called Sandra, but she says it's Sandra. Sandra. Sandra, was it? I think it's one of the few times, like, Griff's photography actually, like, factors into th- anything at all, because they use it to, like, get into the, the house later. Well, I kind of well, used it around like, the last episode where we took pictures of the weird squash man. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> This was the one that seemed the least bit of a stretch, though. Yeah. Uh, but this, I, I just thought this was like a really amusing part where then all of a sudden Harry tries to deck Griff, but it just didn't work. He's like swinging punches that are just going nowhere. And, uh, you know, manoeuvring on sand is just going to be difficult anyway. And so, um, you know, with that, he falls over and Griff's like, look, mate, just pack it in, will you? This is very silly. And just uh, decides like that. That's it. I'm not doing a photography shoot. Just walks off, <clears throat> which basically means that Harry is not happy because no one humiliates him. Can we he just d- point out as well? This storyline is just junk, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's nowhere. Absolutely it's like it's nowhere. like they had to fill in time. 
<laughs> like, I don't know, just shoot a few scenes with Griff and this this guy, and then we'll wrap it up in a scene at the end. But so when you guys messaged me earlier saying that see, this is the most soapy season one has ever been, I know exactly what you mean because this literally felt like an episode of El Dorado. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a soap opera. It was just, oh, uh, I mean, I mean, whoever wrote the script for this one as well. <laughs> I mean, Baywatch Nights never had the best dialogue, but the dialogue in this week's episode was atrocious. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a bit bad, I've got to say. Like, very, uh, but that's the kind of charm I like about it. <laughs> there's a part, too, that, like, speaking of dialogue, that doesn't make any sense. So, like, they're reading off uh, some, like, little factoids on the computer, and, like, Mitch is reading off some stuff about himself, and he's like, oh, I, I he was at the Surfing Hall of Fame indoctrination, which is not the word. Like, indoctrination is not... <laughs> I have actually also noticed um, in the next episode, which I will get to, that there's a lot of mispronunciations with words, but I'll get to that later because it was niggling at me like a, I was like a grammar Nazi. I was just like, why did you just say that? That's not the words. Like, oh, I was, but anyway, I'll get back to that later. So in German, this episode is called Die Doppelgangerin, as uh, Chris said earlier, you know, because uh, we had the titles come up, you know, after the sun comes down, Die Doppelgangerin, and then there's some form of a press conference for a lady called McKenna. Uh, <coughs> Morgan, which, Ma Morgan McKenna, or is it McKenna Morgan? I think Morgan McKenna sounds right to me. Yeah, because I've been calling her McKenna like this whole. I don't know. It could work both ways. I'll look it up. We could just call her Eminem. Eminem. Because like I just, either her name's McKenna, or she's just basically just been very formally called by her. You're, you're right, McKenna Morgan. Ah, okay. So, right. Yeah, very back to front, but you know, originality. I'm cool with that. So there's some sort of a press conference outside in this very lavish property where McKenna Morgan um, is coming out. And I, I don't really understand. I didn't really catch or understand what it was about. Sunburst clothing. A disport azure okay. blue, which is like a swimwear line. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's a clothing company merger, which is yep. the whole plot of this episode. It revolves around <laughs> a clothing company merger. <laughs> It sounds thrilling on paper, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so uh, there's like this heavy that's in uh, that's right by McKenna. That's kind of what you know, just kind of managing her. Do you know who he is? Have you seen Have you seen Liar Liar with Jim Carrey? A long time ago. Well, basically, he's the guy that Jennifer Tilly is um, is cheating on her husband with, and she starts like making out with him in the courtroom and stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's him. Uh, and basically, it was Jade that noticed it because we both love that film, as you can probably see in the background. I've got the poster on the wall. Yeah, um, but, um, yeah like I was watching it. Jade walks in and goes, That's the guy from Liar Liar. And I was like, It does look like him. And I looked it up and it was like, Yeah, that's him. So I was like, And it's like IMDb, that's like his most treasured, um, you know, his top, his top uh, filmography highlight is that it was in Liar Liar. That's awesome. the guy playing her husband or the one? The one playing the baddie. Oh, oh, the um, the guy, right, the one that's with her the whole episode. Yeah. You know what I know him from? He was Vance Duke 
in on uh, Dukes, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah, no Dukes way. of Hazard had like one season where they had like two other guys who were like cousins because there was like a pay dispute with like the main actors, and so they just looked exactly like them. And one of them was Vance Duke. Yeah, that's the the that buzz cut up, guy yeah, from that, this that episode. Came up yeah. when I uh, saw the thing. Yeah. So <laughs> we're at this press conference, and then you know McKenna's giving a speech. There's an old man grinning quite a lot as well as talking into the mic saying about like the press conference of the clothing merger you've got the guy as we were just talking about um who plays the the confidant the uh the partner um or the body. Name. we never found out a name from do we oh we did chad oh yeah. the chad it looked like a chad was it just oh, chad his, yeah, hold on a sec. His name Chad is Lindsay. Chad Lindsay, the most American. As Chip Mayor? That's what he was credited as? Chip Mayor? What a name. Chad. Oh, oh God. Anyway, like I'll save my reservations for what I think of that name because it sounds disgusting, doesn't it? Chad. <laughs> it sounds isn't like. That, isn't that what you call like a douchey dude online? A Chad? Or is that some other thing? I think it no, is. I think that is there is some sort of a yeah. slang. Of yeah. Is it Chad a country? <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's Africa, isn't it? Like, isn't you, there... you don't want to be a Chad from Chad. That's just too much Chad. <laughs> isn't there? Isn't there? A, isn't there a um? What's that? What's that? Like it's mildly funny, but everybody love, loves it. Medical comedy. Uh, Scrubs. Isn't there a guy called Chad in in Scrubs? <laughs> I don't remember all the the cast members of Scrubs. <laughs> what? Why? Why was that program so successful? Because it had a few funny moments, but it was just like so middle of the road. <laughs> There's no new girl. I don't, I don't see anyone named Chad in the. I thought there was a guy called the Chad. Maybe. Or, uh, was it? Oh, I think it was the Todd. Or there's a Tom. Chad is Todd. And then, then what was that Canadian animated show? Has that got a Chad in it? Uh, undergrads. No, that was there's the Chad in the Red Hot Chili Peppers, isn't it? Uh, undergrads was the Douglas. The drummer right? from the Red Hot Chili Peppers was Chad. Is he called Chad? Is he? And, well, Nickelback. He's called Chad, Chad isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably the most famous Chad. Okay, there's a quick history of. Uh, Chad. Yeah, Chad. Sorry, but is Chad actually. The, the more name? we is say it, Chad, the less it sounds like a real name. <laughs> is it like an abbreviated name? So it's like Chad, like. Chadrick? Chad, 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 Chadwick. Chad, Chadwick Boseman! Chad, Chadwick Boseman! He's a Chaddington. Chad. What about Chandler from Friends? Would he be called Chad for short? Chadley. Chadley, yeah. I just remember in Friends, he was called Chanandler Bong. Oh yeah, Chanel, yeah, Chanel Lebon. It's in that yes. one episode that's always on. Whenever you yeah, turn someone on TikTok gave me shit and they were called that. That was their username. Chanel Lebon. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know this episode now is going to be Mitch versus Chad. <laughs> I was going to call it Mitch versus the guy from The Liar Liar. That was made out with Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, moving on from the Chadness. So anyway, we're back at the press conference, and then um, you know it's all going on, and then all of a sudden this um, more older-looking man comes running in, saying McKenna, McKenna, screaming that like, that lady is his wife, but he just he, he's not allowed to go and talk to her, he's not allowed to see her, and she's just kind of being rather dismissive, and then Chad 
backs him off, like, no, 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 get him away, get him away. And so, you know, there's a bit of, like, a weird sort of, like, distance going on, like, you know, what's going on there? So, anyway, moving on a little bit. So, the husband is now convinced that McKenna isn't McKenna. So, he gets Mitch on the case because he can't get close to her or find anything else. So there's something wrong and he can't quite pinpoint it. Did you notice uh, they were both wearing Adidas jackets? That was my they concern. were. Blatant sponsorship. And like, also, I love the line where he said that she was different because um, she went off to fat camp and got her eyes done. Yeah. <laughs> As a sentence, it seems really weird. She went off to a fat farm and had her eyes done. Just add that as a sentence. Just you know, isolate that as a sentence. Farm. It makes no sense. What, what, <laughs> what do you get done to your eyes at a fat farm? I guess maybe she went off to do, you know, some, some rich people, like, you know, fat farm cosmetic surgery, whatever. But, like, that's also the show foreshadowing that perhaps she looks a little different because of yeah. the, the plastic surgery. Just the, the sentence... The sentence kind of said to me, though, that she got her eyes done at the fat farm. Yeah, maybe it was like a two-for-one deal. <laughs> they do Botox and weight loss. Yeah. That's what I think so then. Right, carry on. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very peculiar. Although, I must say, with this scene, there was a really lovely shot of the sunset by the beach. You know? <laughs> I, I, I really did appreciate that, though. I, I wish I always did the man's called very Dewey, by the way. The man's called Dewey. Dewey, yeah. Uh, and that. <laughs> Look, uh, Dewey is short for Dwight. I know that. <laughs> is it? Yeah. What about Dewington? How is that shorter? It's longer. It's one <laughs> syllable longer. It's a nickname for people called Dwight. They call him Dewey. <laughs> I would not. Gosh, I don't think I would call anyone Dewey. I guess it's a bit it's like just... Richard and Dick, though, isn't it? They don't really go together. Like, it's not really a. Like, Dwight and Dewey doesn't go together. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Like, we're just steering right, of course, with name variations now, aren't we? Like, now we're getting to the end of the season. We're just going right off on one all the time. This episode sucks. This episode sucks. Can we talk about New Girl instead? I like New Girl. <laughs> Alison oh, just hit the nail on the head. All I've been watching right on the chat. My, Mighty Ducks are game changers. Oh my god, that is the greatest like TV show to come out in, in ever. And Why you need you to watch it. Mighty Ducks just now. <laughs> like, the Mighty Ducks game changers. Like, it's the, I'm addicted to it. It's the best series I've seen in years. But Nick, have you watched all of New Girl? Because it is really good. <laughs> no. But it's Schmidt not, like... is one of the greatest comedy characters of all time. Yeah, but so is Coach Gordon Bombay. I would No, Schmidt would beat him in a fight. No. Okay, guys, come on, focus. You know what also is great with this episode? Hey, James, what happened next? (laughs) Okay, so what happened next? Straight into the next scene, like uh, Mitch and Donna walking down a path. Um, They're they're talking about some stuff and then a a classic hobby. I love that none of us really care about this because this episode is so rubbish. It's the scene of them all. This is the one where Mitch goes up to Donna and then, like, she's like, I'm thinking about investing in a gym. <laughs> Do you work out, Mitch? And he's like, yeah, I work out. Why? Because I want to make sure that I'm always ready to save people. And she's like, no, nah, can't, people can't be afraid. And he's like, why, don't, why do you work out? And... Because I oh, want to be noticed. Yeah, <laughs> when I walk into a lifeguard, of course he does. 
that is, I love that. Like, when I walk in the room, I don't want to be ignored. And I was just like, oh, that is so Donna. <laughs> so Donna. She, she walks away out of the episode. This is never brought up again. The fact she invested in Jim is never brought up again. I don't think in season two this ever comes up. I know there was a scene in a Jim. I don't think it was her Jim. This is just like they were like we are like twenty seconds short. <laughs> Get in here, Donna. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's she had like when the bar got raided by some uh, bugs. <laughs> oh, I love that scene. That was so good. <laughs> and so we go past this pointless scene which absolutely has no context whatsoever so um after dewey asked mitch for a favor so mitch pulls up to see mckenna morgan at this swanky mansion and like there's the heavy dude being all weird and protective and like you know why you're here um not without an appointment you can't see her and so um mitch being quite the bargaining man was actually able to go and see her at least for a couple of minutes until she says like look go away but that poor lady sweeping up in that large mansion she was just literally just there and she never to be seen again. Hold on, if you, later on we do discover there was at least three maids. Do you remember they put all the pictures out? And it's like how, so I, I think she was just allocated that hallway. In I, some think of the she, I think she was like a reject from Tomb Raider. <laughs> you're locker in the cupboard. Butler, yeah, you're locker in the cupboard. <laughs> and so, yeah, so Mitch goes up to see... Um, Morgan McKenna. McKenna Morgan. Oh, Eminem. McKenna Morgan. Eminem. McKenna. Yeah. She. He goes up to see McKenna M, and so it's like seeing like how you do, but but she she's just a little bit. I don't know, just kind of like a little bit apathetic, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, she can tell she's not very, like, interested whatsoever, and Mitch is a little bit like, hmm. So, um, you know, like, he's a little bit perplexed. McKenna seems off, the henchmen are looking a bit smarmy and a bit dapper in equal measure. And then um, when Midge goes back, he says something to Jimmy that really made me laugh. Uh, she's cold and aloof. She said, let's do lunch. Totally not McKenna. <laughs> she's normally more touchy-feely. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't do lunch, she only does brunch. That's the difference. Well, brunch. How <laughs> Mitch never once entertains the idea, like, he's like, hmm, maybe she is a doppelganger or a lookalike or something, and never once entertains the idea that, like, maybe she just doesn't like him anymore. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe yeah. she's aloof because they're just not close friends. They don't seem that close, because yeah. in this episode, like, a spoiler alert, he finds out she died, and, like, there's never a point where he's like, I'm bummed my friend died. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> Yeah, she just has to make time for that awkward friend who she's just like, oh, like I'll try and get him out of it in a couple yeah. of minutes. I can't be bothered to waste the energy, but... This has to be a common interaction with Mitch and his old friends. Like, yeah, we'll do lunch, or whatever. All right, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just a grain of false hope for future reference, you know. And so <clears throat> we go back to nights where Donna makes her last appearance of the episode where she's making smoothies and cocktails. And so... Griff comes in and uh, Donna asks her to sample these cocktails, but he is not a fan of some of the glasses because they look crap, basically. And um, he tries a couple of the cocktails and he absolutely tests them. Not very tasty whatsoever. And then that Donna wasn't another scene in this episode because this was also useless. <laughs> yeah, meant nothing. And then Sandra 
uh, comes in and meets Griff and say, Harry's looking for him and he's real mad. And so, uh, you know, Griff's taken the threats very lightly. And uh, all of a sudden, like, um, Sandra um, just randomly helps herself to a sip of whatever's in this container. We're not even asking. It's just, oh, I'll take this drink. Gulp. Oh, it's very nice. And she's like, oh, and Donna's like, oh, thank you. And um, then Griff tries it. It's like, oh, Donna, this is very nice. Anyway, I've got to go. See you later. And that was like yeah. the most pointless, like, what was that about? Well, that's the house drink of nights. Oh, oh well, apparently Harry's still after uh, Griff. Oh, we did say thanks. Yeah. No one really cares. He's not, he's not going to do anything, is he? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best, the best thing in this whole episode. <laughs> Did they ever, like, figure out a reason for Donna on nights? It feels like every episode they're like, I don't know what to do with her. I I don't know about Destiny. Wasn't she? She was just, uh, she was the eye candy for people. Was she cheaper than Destiny? I mean, they uh, they were, one thing I found out about nights recently is that uh, starting in the first five episodes, they were a million dollars over budget. So what? it probably was why they cut Destiny, because they had, like, no money left. And then when they brought in Donna and Griff, that was because they, they wanted the Baywatch eye candy for the show. And um, one thing I learned that you guys will find interesting, I think, is that... Uh, so after the first season, uh, they <laughs> they did so super badly that, like, all of the stations were like, We'll pass on more episodes. Thank you. So they decided they were going to buy airtime themselves. So they paid for them to put the show on the air. And the show did so bad that they weren't going to do another season. But because they were like, well, this is going to make Baywatch look bad as a brand. It's going to look like our brand's doing bad. So we're going to order one more season and just get it over with. And that's why season two even happened. Wow. Okay. That's crazy. Season two is clearly the better season. (laughs) (laughs) Season two, the reason no one gives a shit, it makes so much more sense knowing that, like, they weren't intending this to go on anymore. They were just like, fine, get 22 episodes out, we will give you no money, make whatever you want, and just get it out. We're going to pay them to put it on the air. (laughs) It's a contractual obligation, basically. Just be like, yeah, just do it, whatever. A million over budget. Sorry, over budget. That's bad. That does explain a lot for season two, though. I must say, but yeah. we'll get to that. Say warehouse over and over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. we'll get to that in a bit, though. But back at the office, the gang are trying to figure out how to prove if it is McKenna or not. So, after a little bit of um, you know using their noodle, they decide they're going to do a fingerprints job and you know go back to the property and get some fingerprints. So. Uh, it goes. Or oh, I've just got in capitals. Uh, women jumping on trampolines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a line. Yeah, just um, women jumping on trampolines. Um, with Griff taking really badly positioned pictures. Mitch distracts him. Like, so, do you want to solve a murder? All right, guys, that's a wrap. Leave okay, the trampoline see, there. Everything. I know yeah, nothing let's... about still cameras. Like maybe you guys might have shed some light on this. Is this even like the right kind of camera or setup for like a motion shot like that with them Probably like not. flying in the air? The shutter speed wouldn't be fast enough, I reckon, and it would just end up a blur. And also yeah. the angle he was at, because it was a line of girls, unless he was at like this ridiculous sharp angle, they're going to be in the background. These photos are going to be awful. This going to be a blur. <laughs> 
you can imagine they'll come back really unflattering as well. Like the ladies are really excited to see their midair aerial picture, and it's just like a blur. Like, is this just for his portfolio? Did someone hire him? Like, I don't think they they very rarely go into like who he's taking these pictures for. Is this just like a hobby of his? Is he professional? I want to go through. I want to go through every episode of Nights where where um, Griff's taking photos, and then basically use Photoshop to create what I reckon those photos <laughs> would look like, and then release the, the, the Griff photo. Just the women diary. like, eh. <laughs> like, 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 yeah. You can sell them as NFTs afterwards. Yeah, oh my god, you totally could. I don't think anyone's going to sue us if we did like Baywatch Nights NFTs, I don't think. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's crazy. I mean, we, we could just use pictures from the public domain and make Baywatch Nights uh, podcast t shirts and see how that goes. I'm surprised if what Arson said we haven't been offered a check to keep going. Join <laughs> us up for another season. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll just get someone to be like, this will make it look like the podcast is doing bad, so we'll give you some money. Just do evenings with Hulk Hogan and just get it over with. <laughs> evenings with Hulk Hogan would be very interesting. But anyway. <laughs> I just want to call him Terry. <laughs> evenings with, yeah, evenings with Terry. That's <laughs> I think on Thunder in Paradise, isn't he Terry Hulk Hogan? I think that's how they credit him. <laughs> Terry Belia, I think it is. Or Terry yeah, I, think, I think that was the yeah. mid-stage, though, before he'd, like, completely dropped it, so it was, like, Terry Hulk Hogan. So his middle <laughs> name is Hulk. I'm pretty sure in, um, in like, uh, Mr. Nanny and that is Terry Hulk Hogan as well, isn't it? I think there was um, a period yeah. before he started, like... There was one I watched, I think the, the Baywatch people produced it, and um, but it wasn't Thunder in Paradise. And it was like, he went by like Hulk Hogan as an actor, but then as a producer, he was Terry Bollea. So he was like two <laughs> different people. <laughs> Man of many disguises. Mm, indeed. So... Back to the episode. So we're back at the office. Uh, the first thing that I noticed is look at those um, phones on the on that desk. You know the old style like private iPhones with the old <laughs> the thought, rotary ones. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. But uh, basically, now we kind of come to the conclusion that um, Ryan and Griff are going to go to the house and pretend to be. Um, some photographers that McKenna has ordered uh, to go and take the shoot for. And uh, they're going to do a photography siege. And so they're playing in motion. So um, this is where Ryan puts on like a jean outfit with a vest and a tiny hat, which I guess is like her photography disguise. <laughs> because everyone wears that when you're photography. <laughs> I've actually got in my notes that is the most 90s that Ryan has looked in this entire series. Yeah. I thought she was trying to dress as Steven Spielberg. I just, I didn't get why she needed to be in disguise. No one has seen her. No one has met her. There's it's not no, she could just dress like a normal person. <laughs> it's not even <laughs> disguise, is it? It's not like, you know, she's got like a, a pair of glasses and a fake plastic nose and a mustache or anything. It's just like casual wear, but she just looks more fashionable than usual. <laughs> and so Griff just looks like Griff. Mm. And, and and so like um yeah so 
they get there and um, it's very evident that there's foul play afoot. Um, um, I've got, for some reason, I wrote down 19 um, minutes. Oh, yeah. 19 minutes and 13 seconds. Um, <clears throat> uh, I've got that is not McKenna. And I remember at this specific scene was that that's when they pulled out the papers of the fingerprints of the workers that they pulled up from the fingerprints back at the office. Oh, yeah, that was a bit. That was was that after or before this? No, it was before. It was it was it was after um, when Ryan um, has a little wander around, gets yeah. all the fingerprints. Isn't, isn't isn't she meant? Yeah, isn't the other, isn't she meant to be Stacy? Is it Stacy? Yes, Jessica. I don't know where I get Stacy came from, man. Stacy. But yeah, like the actress's she... name, the 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 fake person. Uh, I think I just made it up because I couldn't remember. <laughs> 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 she, she, We're she talking about like, the person who's pretending to be McKenna, yeah? She looks like a Stacey. I, you know? okay. I think what Chris is attempting to do is replace the trauma that he suffered whilst watching this episode like, with something to make it more appeasing. <laughs> Pretty much. <That'll> do. <laughs> so we basically find out that it's not McKenna, all these fingerprints. There's loads of different fingerprints, some are unidentified some identified as the people that have worked in this mansion as the um, as the French maid. And um, so we find out that one of these sets of fingerprints are of Jessica Aitkins, who was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar <laughs> when Chad met her. <laughs> and then she got roped into this awful lifestyle of deceit and vengeance. I don't remember that being the lyrics. <laughs> Improv. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it then cuts to an, another scene where Dewey is out on a surfboard. And I loved, I absolutely <laughs> loved the camera, the, the surfboard camera where he's doing the front stroke. <laughs> this is like the best, the best ever. This, 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 like, for me, the episode was dog shit. And then this, this scene came along and it sort of really picked it up for It started me. well with the message on the keys. Did everyone read the message on the keys? No. So the keys had get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on. <laughs> That's what it said. On the keys. <laughs> that is awesome. That's the first thing it showed, and I was like, "What does it say?" I had to pause it. So it <laughs> get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on. That's fantastic. <laughs> so the sequence of events here confuses me. Okay, so so they have this meetup where they're like Garner's friend at the police station ran the prints, and it's probably this actress. And so uh, Ryan and Griff are like, we're going to go to the actress's apartment. And then Mitch is like, I'm going to go talk to Dewey. He's probably out surfing, so I'm going to ask him about this. And then for some reason, Mitch goes out and gets into uniform to do a shift <laughs> and then he goes to see Dewey and then the boat tries to run him down and Dewey does the flip on the board and you get him like going in the water. That was a pretty cool shot. Mm. And presumably he goes to the hospital with him. And then we see Ryan and Griff trying to break into the apartment. They get caught by the landlord and then Mitch wanders in after his shift in another outfit, somehow arriving right around the same time they do and then breaks in himself. So like, did they just take a really long time? Did he throw a quick shift in there? What, <laughs> what exactly is the timeline here? The vortex. <laughs> Maybe it was the vortex. It was future Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
he had to die so they could break into the apartment. <laughs> you know, there is some sort of like a linear form of sense of all of this that the fact that there's an equal amount of episodes per season actually it, the the paranormal side of Baywatch Nights actually explains a lot of the gaps and the voids in the normal season of Baywatch Nights there is some form of like erratic yeah, genius maybe season that 2 is a prequel to season 1 <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense at the end it was never meant to be viewed linearly the whole thing is Lou Roller's dream <laughs> oh my god yeah buddy yeah buddy <laughs> if that was the last episode I was waiting for some cranberry sauce and I fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> and I had this weird, wild dream I was in that club <laughs> <laughs> Let me digress a bit from the cranberry sauce. So we, we had um, Dewey out on a surfboard where a masked helmet man in a speedboat pursues him, tries to run him over in the water. Um, there was a really nifty barrel roll that Dewey did before Dewey the speedboat. Yeah. yeah, before the uh, speedboat split, split the uh, surfboard in half. And then, um, you know, Mitch and um, Lady come to the rescue. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, get him out. Um, so, what about the classic Mitch um, zoom in on Mitch's face? Oh yeah, and you could tell the sun was in Mitch's eyes because he was squinting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the boat's driving away, and he's just watching. Like, nah, I don't want to bother going after him. <laughs> he's too far away. <laughs> Remember, if you're going to look at the sun, wear sunglasses. Sense. And so next scene, it's Griffin Ryan pulling up to Jessica's address. Um, and as uh, Alison was alluding to, this is where they try to get into the apartment. And then the whole timeline goes a bit weird. And so it turns out here that Ryan knows how to pick a lock to which the um, the apartment or the building manager comes along. And is like, oh, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, why the hell did they have southern accents at the drop of a hat? Of all the things that are yeah, from Mississippi, aren't they? That's what they're <laughs> It's because she was in Mississippi guys. originally, and they were trying to pretend to be relatives, weren't they? I know, yeah. but the thing is, is like Jessica wasn't even from the South. I think was, I think wasn't she from Mississippi, and that's why they're pretending to be Mississippi. Mississippi. I don't remember, but that would make sense to me that that's why they were doing it to, uh, to bolster their story that they were related. I mean, let's, to let's just accept that was the reason because. <laughs> Why not? Anything goes. Look, yeah. they have more of a reason to be doing an accent here than Mitch does later when he does that fucking phone call. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay. That's a fair point. <laughs> and so, and so, like, the, the manager is just like, oi, what are you two doing? No, no get out of here, basically. Um, I won't even bother going into it because it's of no interest. It's just literally just them trying to get into an apartment, say, uh, speaking in Mississippian southern accent is that how you say it is it mississippian is that the thing i, I don't know but i like the term <laughs> I, it sounds right to me mississippian. it's really it goes really nicely off the tongue mississippian. mississippian anyone from mississippi that's listening please uh inform us if this is the correct terminology um but 
already liked this bit. Then Mitch randomly turns up to the building and just stands in the doorway and then sees that, you know, they're not having much luck and he just crouches down and picks up this toolbox <laughs> and just walks in like nothing's just happened. So he's committed a crime. He's stolen from an honest working taxpayer. One on his rip sheet. Grabs a random toolbox, then that's how he pretends to be a cable guy. If you just carry any random box of tools, you're like cable. That's <laughs> <laughs> the fact he, he was it. He bribes him as well, being like, "If you let me in, I'll give you free cable as well." Yeah, yeah. What's <laughs> the other poster behind you, Nick? The cable guy. It all yeah, comes together. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the vortex. Yeah. Future Nick. He already knows. Yeah. The thing was, I would have thought the manager would have had a bit more common sense because he wasn't even dressed like a cable guy either. He was just dressed like smart casual. Yeah, was... you know, maybe like a polo shirt or something. Didn't have to be a fancy uniform, but you'd be dressed was, like your place of business. When they were inside, there was probably the worst bit of dubbing I've ever heard. When he says that, you might need to watch it back. When he says, when Mitch says the words, whatever works, it sounds like it's been recorded by somebody else and just inserted and the volume's too loud. I didn't pick up on that, I must say. Yeah. Usually, I would, what but... What time is that at? Hold on, hold on. Yeah, we can find it. Hold on, let me, let me find it. It sounded really bad. I was like, what is this? So, I'm going to get up. Um, so, they watch Nights, Season 1, Episode 21. If you're listening, follow along. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Timestamp. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it. Where are we? Where are? Okay, is that him? No, no, no. That's in the office. Oh, it's around here somewhere because that's Mitch stealing. Hold on. Oh, it'd be around here okay, somewhere. Okay, it's twenty-five seventeen. Yeah. Found it. Twenty-five seventeen, is it? Yeah. yeah. Does, to me, does it sound like it's just been inserted in? Okay. It sounds like Hasselhoff to me, but it definitely is dubbed in like a little too clearly compared to yeah, the it's rest like a of dialogue. Really clip, isn't it? And yeah, it, it, the pitch sounds a little bit higher than him, which is what confused me. Okay, that sounds. Sometimes, like sometimes, someone's voice. Like I noticed this when I have to re-record stuff for videos. Like my voice sounds like a completely different person depending on when I'm <laughs> recording it because I'm feeling more refreshed. Mm, yeah, you maybe. know, so <laughs> maybe that's what's going on. I'm just about yeah. to play it now. So 25, I'm going to play it from 2510. Okay, yeah. so here we go. Yes. Yeah. Free cable, huh? Whatever works. Oh, oh <laughs> no. I see what <laughs> you mean. That yeah. sounds totally, it... totally different. It looked like it, well, the way he delivers it, it does look like a Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like, you know, normally I don't, you guys spot the dubbing like better than me. And like, I remember just listening to that, I thought, that doesn't sound right. No, nah, that doesn't. Nah, that's really bad. Like, I'm actually so, quite surprised. Well, what, how are you surprised? Is, <laughs> I think they could have spent a million dollars on actually getting a good dubber. <laughs> well, I mean, we know what they, you know, they, they spent the million at the beginning of the series. We know yeah, why. Yeah, they didn't have any money left. Yeah. Do you reckon they just spent like a million dollars just on the massive explosions and the punch-up scene to Ghana? Hopefully. I mean, if they're going to spend the money. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> That's why he's in the episode now. He's had so much money spent on him. They're like, sorry, mate. You've had yeah, you can't afford me. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so basically, digress. I could see Nick having a meltdown on the camera. Like, oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going off the tracks, guys. So, no, don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the radiation from the rare mineral. It's like him. <laughs> oh, putting near the camera. Oh, no! Do it, Chris. Okay, oh, it almost it actually paused for a moment. It doesn't. Do you're it. just you just keep poking the tiger. You just keep poking the tiger, waiting for it to freeze again. No, we're good. Oh. <laughs> shaking it like you're doing like a little ritual, like shaking the jar of dirt. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh no, that's really. Oh, has... he's just sitting in place, pretending he's he frozen sitting. now. Oh. No, we can see you moving. Yeah, he's, 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 oh, he's a warrior. No. <laughs> Come on, guys, focus. Rare <laughs> mineral is getting to us. The radiation is coming through the, the radio waves. Right, let's go back. What happened <laughs> next? Where Mitch are we is at? Doing cable. What, what yeah, Mitch is a fake cable man, and they're in there. And this is the scene where they discover the um, all of the, the newspaper clippings and pictures and video and uh, recordings of McKenna, which further bolsters the fact that she had studied her life this actress uh, jessica had studied her life to pretend to be her yes and um oh just the, the glory of letting them um go in there and put on vhs videos oh it warmed my nostalgic <laughs> hearts it was beautiful but i i there was something that uh, mitch actually said which i thought was really funny <laughs> so like all this talk about murder and now mitch wants to talk to the manager and did anyone else catch that now? Yeah, he says, right, I want to talk to the manager, which I thought was like the most... Mitch is a Karen, as they call him. Yeah, so they go and talk to the manager about like... Well, this is all... I just wanted to point out real quick. Um, I, the, my part, the, my favourite part of the scene is when they go on the World Wide Web. Uh, maybe it's not... A, maybe it's just a, a text document, but they open up an old-ass text document on the computer <laughs> to look at, like, McKenna's friends and associates... That's where they have the uh, the surfing hall of fame indoctrination bit, but it's got just like all of her friends listed out and like like Mitch Buchanan, <laughs> all the info, divorced, one child, Hobie. <laughs> <laughs> that was some like old school software right there. That that was really really cool. Talking about old school software, um, just just diverting a little bit. Um, one of our listeners, Andy Luke. He's, he's managed to find the original Baywatch Nights website on the Wayback Machine. What? Oh, really? Yeah, apparently wow. you can only access like a little tiny bit of it, but it's it's there. Ooh. And then a friend of his is actually working on a new Baywatch Nights website. Like, what, is the, what is the link to uh, the original one? I want to see what is look. the Baywatch uh, Nights website. Yeah, if you just yeah. use a Wayback Machine. What, was it just BaywatchNights.com then? I'm guessing. I think so. Hold on. It's, it's in the Twitter. He sent it to us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, you can't access much of it, but you can get a bit of it. Um... Does it say the nights will never be the same and like a little blinky text? Oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> <Blinky>. <laughs> I think it was like you have a MySpace 90... account. I'd love to know it was in their top eight. GeoCities. GeoCities. <laughs> yeah. oh, Hang on. I'm just going to send it through to you now. Yeah, oh, so funny. Chat, uh, I'm on a chat, so I... Oh, no, I've got it as well, I've got it. I've got it. 
Yeah. Going back to February 2003, I've got here. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes, I love casual Dorian Gregory with the coat uh, over his shoulder. Oh, no. That's a great website. Screen room. What the is Adventures it? of Sinbad link at the bottom. PSN <laughs> television. Oh this my domain's God. for sale. Oh. If you want to own the, uh, the adventuresofsinbad.com, please contact the sales office for more detailed information. Sales at dmr800.com. Meet the cast works. Yeah, I'm on Meet the Cast. Episode, episode guide works. Oh, video files. They had videos <laughs> attached. AVIs and everything. Are they in Real Player? Do you remember Real Player? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That is unbelievable. It, you, actually, that might even be a demon account. Like I like the little. Oh, they've, they've got little um, descriptions of all the characters. They're quite good. Like Teague's. It says, like, um, Teague is our mystery man. Um, on omniscient in the world of the unknown he is the facilitator the leap between us and them with intelligence and a thick pocketbook he has the world at his fingertips he will stop at nothing to satisfy his undying quest to search for the questions and answers to incidents most feel are better left unsaid and forgotten <laughs> the leap between us and them <laughs> the us in the trust. world of the unknown <laughs> It sounds more like the description of like a character on Street Fighter 2 or something. <laughs> this has to be what it was in the series Bible. This had to be what they described the characters like for people doing the scripts. And they yeah. just copied and pasted well, it. Donna. Donna is a risk taker and dreamer. A woman what? who knows what she wants and is not afraid to go out and get it. Though still in her early 20s, she has a tough, no-nonsense personality to go along with her striking beauty. Donna has hidden agendas mysterious contacts and believes there's more to life than meets the eye <laughs> when when did any of this show up on the show when was any of the mysterious contacts what are they talking about this is the sugar daddy isn't it i yeah. guess i guess the sugar daddy this here's the griff section okay this year we'll find griff getting his hands dirty he's fast quick smooth and hungry for action no task too large no mountain too high he loves to jump in with both feet, which occasionally will get him into trouble. He's romantic, charming, and has a smile that makes a lady's melt. He's our merchandise man. You need it, he can get it. He's a walking manual for all our high-tech equipment that will be used to give credence to a whole new ball game. What? When did that happen? <laughs> oh, I love it. Right, we need, we need, well, we got to finish off then. Uh, we got Ryan. Always the scientist, always looking for the details. Her focus this year is hands-on, the computer, the phone, the internet. Whatever it takes to close the gap between what they know and what they don't. This isn't to say that her emotions and personality won't get involved, because that's something that will never change in Ryan. We'll continually try to guess if deep in her heart she carries a torch for Mitch. <laughs> the phone, D technology, the phone. All right, here's uh, Mitch's description. We know <laughs> we have one more. Unprofessional, all caps. <laughs> Unprofessional. <laughs> Mitch Buchanan will never quit his day job, but now his life-saving abilities and desires to help those in need will stretch far beyond the beach. 
they will propel him into the outer limits of the unknown, <laughs> the unreal, the unusual, and the unbelievable. Through a leap of faith and growing respect for Teague, Mitch will be the point man, the protector. His heart will swell with emotions he's never felt. And the blood in his face will pump through him faster than a freight train. <laughs> Mitch has an e-ticket this year, taking him on a ride he'll never forget. This is incredible. But also, well, I just learned that um, Teague was in Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. Oh, that? yeah, he was. He was um, like a cop. That in the um, in the scene when at the very end when the the kids destructing oh. destroying the, the town, I reckon I was watching it and I was like, oh my god, it's Teague. <laughs> if you click on the episodes, it gives you a massive rundown for each episode as well. Holy oh shit! God. Maybe this will explain we'll something. We're investigating a little bit more later on in the episode. <laughs> I feel we, yeah. need, we need to redo the whole of this now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. <laughs> <laughs> digressing, let's digress. Come on, ladies. Where the fuck were we? Doing so badly this time. I feel like this is the worst we've ever done as far as getting distracted. <laughs> I mean, we've spoken for over an hour. We were only three quarters of the way through the first episode. Oh, and so anyway, so we'll try to get back on track. Come on, we we got this. The power of positivity. We've got this. It's good. So, we got an e-ticket on a ride we'll never forget. I can feel the blood pumping like a freight train to my heart. Oh, God. So now Jessica... Um, um, hold on. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. So basically now we're back at the mansion and so uh, Jessica's come in and is with Chad and uh, basically Chad's like telling her to do this and do that. It'll only be a couple more days until her job is over of assuming um, McKenna's identity. But it turns out that Jessica quite likes McKenna's lifestyle and now she's thinking of wanting to stay permanently as opposed to doing otherwise, which Chad isn't very happy about. So um, uh, then all of a sudden, uh, Mitch... Uh, gives her a call being very stern over the phone in other words basically like get over here to your apartment now and because uh, the manager called up first and then passed up. Paid you. <laughs> yeah yeah and then um so basically mitch said look you you might die so you want to get over here and have your life saved scoot on over now find a find a way and so um, she's like, oh, okay, yep, yeah, cool. Uh, but then she had to try and get out of there, to which Chad was reminding her, like, uh, just remember, this can happen. And all of a sudden, in the memory, um, Chad casually opens a briefcase, talking to the real McKenna after a bit of a disagreement, very casually puts on these gloves, opens up the briefcase, puts on these <laughs> nice gloves, does the silencer on the gun, and then shoots McKenna. She doesn't even notice that he's putting on, like, gloves, putting on a silencer and a gun. It's just, oh, it's just a, a rubbish memory scene. And then, uh, yeah, so he then shoots her point blank, to which uh, Jessica then walks in, uh, actually sees what's happened, and uh, he's, Chad is like, yeah, come on in, quick, 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 help me, da 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 And he tells her to pick up the gun, Silly lady, she has not got any gloves on, so her fingerprints are now all over the weapon. And now he's basically framed Jessica for the murder. So 
she's kind of like under his uh, power and he's like, well, if you screw up, then I'll dob on you. And so, um, and now the MVP of the whole episode, Detective Byron Brown. He's back. He's back. You you think this was supposed to be Garner at some point? It feels very random. Yeah, definitely. Um, I must say, like, Byron Brown had more integrity and intensity than anyone else in this whole episode, even though he was only in it for a few seconds. And, uh, you know, so Detective Byron Brown's in the house uh, with Mitch. It's when uh, Jessica comes back over to her apartment. So, like, look, here's the deal. And, um, you know, so basically they was just trying to convince her to come around, like, look, this is what we need to do to help uh, try and sort this out. So here's our plan. And so... um, I kind of got distracted again for a moment at 33 minutes and 23 seconds when I noticed that the oboe music was really funny in the background. I knew you were going to notice this music. It was weird. Yeah, like, sinister oboe is like diagnosis murder vibes. <laughs> this episode did feel a bit diagnosis murder, actually. <laughs> it certainly was a murder to the senses. <laughs> but um, anyway, moving on. So, um, yeah, so... The phone calls made to uh, Chad when Mitch is doing some older man ASMR. <laughs> Can we talk about this for a moment? Because that was the weirdest, most strangest accent ever. He, it was like he was doing Marlon Brando in The Godfather or something. And then later on, like uh, Vance Duke is like, where's the Englishman? So he was supposed to be doing an English accent, I guess? I'm confused How did that, that come off to you guys? Uh, English? I, 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 English. I just like to re-dub this with a... Hello, Sydney. <laughs> you like scary movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna duck you like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, like, yeah, it basically calls up Chad just to say, like, um, look, I know what happened and this and that. And, um, yeah, so basically, um, Chad is getting a little bit panicky. And um, I noticed that Chad looks like Randy Orson. <laughs> I, I just noticed he looked like Randy Orton. It's totally pointless there. And so, um, basically, like, Chad's panicking, and uh, he then goes to uh, the secret destination to where uh, McKenna's body is actually buried in a container. So... Chad looks like he's seen a ghost as him and his and his mate were trying to open it. He thinks he can see McKenna, who is alive, um, in a sling. And I'm thinking, hmm, okay. Why but like a sling for a gunshot to the chest. Yeah. Which, <laughs> maybe oh, maybe she's this. trying to fool him into thinking she kinda like lifted her arm last second and, and took the brunt of it in the <laughs> arm. I think he would have yeah. noticed where the shot went, didn't he? Because he bounced her. He put her in the thick. Yeah, it was so it was so ridiculous, wasn't it? It was in the chest that had no. Maybe or maybe they were trying to make him think it was it missed the heart, like maybe the shoulder area or something, where like you would need a sling for that. Maybe that was the thinking. But this is a problematic scene as well because um, you know Chad looks like he's sitting there like McKenna, you're alive. Yes, Chad, I'm alive. And then. Jessica, assuming McKenna's identity, um, because he thinks that Jessica's still back at the mansion, um, he basically just gives this confession. How the hell does Ryan's dictaphone pick up all of that (laughs) clear quality audio from (laughs) a long way away? 
uh, at least about seven to ten meters away. There is no way she could have picked that up. Well, I mean, we have been speaking to Griff, who, according to the description we just read, is a master of all technology. <laughs> so. <laughs> But Ryan is the is the she's also uh, the master of technology, like the phone. Yeah, I mean, so you would think Ryan also, I guess, like she could also. Oh, Ryan! So after you, Addison. Oh, just during the scene, like when they like they get the confession, Mitch just wanders on. He saunters out, like, "Hey, <laughs> we got this recording." Like he could have been shot immediately after wandering out. There's no reason why the guy shouldn't have shot him. Yeah, all ridiculous. of them could have been gunned down within seconds and been like, yeah, oh, well, we can't do anything now. <laughs> and the, and the guy actually, like, he throws his flashlight at them <laughs> at some point. Like, he's holding a flashlight and he's like, eh, and then takes <laughs> off. Has anyone else noticed that Ryan has, like, unlimited ammo in a 9mm? Yeah. There's so, she's firing so much. You don't see a reload once. <laughs> Maybe she can do that in-air reload thing, you know, people do. Yeah, like, <laughs> like throw the mag up in the air and just clip it down. It's like Terminator 2. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, there's a bit of a gunfight. Ryan has unlimited ammo. She's firing everywhere. And then all Mitch does is literally just push some tires over. <laughs> and so... um <laughs> crashes Chad's car, which ends up going upside down like an A-team slow motion scene, um, which I thought was quite funny because like, I'm sure that there was some sort of like a, a Goodyear tyre sort of like sponsorship there. Um, and then um, th- this is the weirdest bit for me. It's like, so <laughs> Mitch and Ryan have got Chad and his mate who are then walking. They just crawled out the car. Now they're walking them out of the yeah. uh, alley, but they're right behind them. And they're just walking very accordingly and very... Wait, that, that yeah. isn't the weird bit. Where the hell's Jessica? <laughs> <laughs> Back she's not even there mark, anymore. She's just, she's just legged it or something. That's a good point. I didn't even note that. <laughs> she literally disappears and we hear nothing more about her. That's it. She's gone. She took off. You know, she was like, I got to get another new face. Yeah. Got to get out of here. Yeah, like they um so the car is is knocked over and then I think like I don't know if this is a different part of the scene but Ryan like shoots some barrels that explode or something. Oh yeah. And then yeah. like the guys get they help them out of the car and then they just wander off while like ADRing some bullshit about like the aim. You like yeah, I'm a good argument about I can Ryan shoot being good. a bad shot. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And they all just kind of wander off together like I guess the episode's <laughs> over. <laughs> Apart yeah, from they, they could have just turned around and just gone bang, like yeah. punched to the face, yeah. but they were just being very kind of well behaved. And I was yeah. like, "This is a murderer!" And like Mitch and Ryan are having a joke behind <laughs> them, and they're just walking them out like, "Oh, there's a there's a good boy. Let you be very good and walk out accordingly." I was. Have you noticed throughout this season? Is it, is it with season one and season two? Mitch is just getting to the point where he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Oh, he yeah, doesn't. He definitely. He's so nonchalant about everything. It's everything's just a joke and just whatever. He doesn't take it seriously at all anymore. Oh yeah. no! I think that's what it is. He's just like, oh, whatever. Another, just another bad guy. Whatever. Let's just have a joke. I died and come back to life. It's all right. 
And so we go to the next scene. And... Where she's the best part of the whole episode. <laughs> so, uh-oh, Harry is about to get Grift, which Grift is just like walks away. He's just like, oh, I ain't having this. But he goes to a more private and secluded spot. So, um, yeah, so Harry's getting the ump again. Um, he's He just says, oh, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you. And then just Griff just gives him a punch and a warning. Well, did, everyone, did anyone else think that it was going to end with Griff basically talking to this guy about how he's the problem with himself. And then beats the crap out of him. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I thought that it might finish on Griff getting through to him. <laughs> like, and him going, and this guy going, actually, I'm being unreasonable. And then it finishes off on like a hug or something. That would be quite a... Sorry, Any that. show that was trying to do a story where anything meant anything, maybe. But <laughs> yeah. they're like... Things just sort of happen on Baywatch nights. There's no real rhyme or reason. It's just a bunch of stuff that happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the best way to sum it up. It's Baywatch nights. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. <laughs> I would have quite happily left this whole episode just there, but no, there was an additional uh, scene at the end where Mitch consoles Dewey whilst looking out to say... Oh, yeah. Out to sea, and then Dewey goes. Now. He goes, yeah, I'm I'm heading off to the mountains for a while, and just walks off. That was it. I was like, oh, okay, um, yeah. So it's an amazing episode, wasn't it? <laughs> I think we I think spent more time not talking about the episode than we did talking <laughs> about the episode. This episode blows. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely one of, one of the weakest. I think it has to be the weakest. <laughs> I mean, when the highlight is Griff punching Harry at the end, I mean, yeah. like, there are, is there a highlight to this episode? I'm just thinking yes, it's... Detective Byron Brown. His <laughs> 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 yeah. second appearance. I hope but... that guy was really happy with that role. Like He's like, I've been back three times. This is great. Uh, the barrel roll was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, that was good, was yeah. It? it was all right. But, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> um, we're going to take a, a short break to compose ourselves and uh, to just, you know, take five minutes to recover from the trauma of that first episode because, yes, however, we've got to... And then go for it all again with the second <laughs> oh, No, 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 no. Next, coming up, Season 2, Episode 21, The Vortex. See you shortly. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, what, what a week. Welcome back to part two of this unhinged, unscripted, off-the-wall episode of Evenings with Mitch Buchanan in the Baywatch Nights podcast. I'm your host, JP, and once again, I'm here with Mr. Chris Hines, Mr. Nick Box, and the lovely Miss Alison Pregler. And so, after that, what can only really be described as an amusing car crash of a first half of our viewing uh, pleasure slash displeasure, we now go on to a better episode, Season 2, Episode 21, The Vortex, otherwise known as Heute Gestern Morgen. Um, what does that mean? I mean, isn't it today, yesterday, morning? Although, <laughs> when, I put it, when I put it into Google Translate, it says today, yesterday, Morgan. 
But I'm sure Morgan is mourning in general. Morgan was in the last episode. Today, <laughs> yesterday, tomorrow, maybe? That would make more sense, actually. Actually, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're probably right. Mm. I mean, that that would just make sense if I was trying to name it, but doesn't always make sense. So we'll go with it. We'll go. That's <laughs> fine. So, okay. So uh, the f- first of all, we go we kick off this episode with something that seems to be a common theme in this later half of season two, where they just got old stock footage of like archive news stuff from like rainforests and all that. Kind of <laughs> and, of and, right, and right. More Native Americans. Ah, yeah. I've got a huge problem about this, right? So, they're talking about the rainforest being broken down in South America, yet they've got Native American actors and mysticism. They're in two totally different continents. <laughs> well, did, were they supposed to be related, though, in any way? Because it feels like the plot involving the um, the Native Americans is separate from the plot involving the South American stuff, um, even though I don't know how much Native American culture ties into South American culture, because they were in South America at some point. But, like, um, I feel like it's just some... It could have been anything going on with them. But then the Native American stuff had to do with the, the future stuff, like... It could have been anything they were facing. That would make more sense. I think all the stuff to do with, like, the Amazon stuff, I think, I think it's just to do with dirt. It's just to do with big <laughs> well, boxes of dirt on a boat. It's a rare mineral. It's a rare mineral, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's like rare mineral. Yeah. Well, Nick, pull up the Umadaba and let's just see what the uh, the episode <laughs> description, what if the episode, can, uh, the description can make any yeah. sense of this episode. Okay. Okay, so we've got here... Dirt on a boat goes wrong. On a day off, Ryan drags Mitch to a fortune-telling booth at Malibu Pier, where an Indian guide sends them into an eerie tunnel from which Mitch and Ryan emerge 20 years in the future to watch helplessly at their future lives. It's more like 20 minutes than 20 years. What are they talking about? That could not be more wrong. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not Indian, it's Native American. They call them Indian to the whole thing, though. But I guess that's just sort of, like, common from then. I'm surprised they seem to actually have Native American actors playing them, too, because that's not always the case, either. Can I say, like, I had a bit of a a nerd out with this, because when I saw that Floyd Red Crow Westerman was the Native American in this, he is a legit Native American chief, and he also plays Albert Hostein in the Anasazi Unopened File episodes of the X-Files. Oh, he does, he, yeah, I read that down. Oh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he is legit, and he is just... When I saw him in it, like, my, I was like, oh, my God, it's Floyd Red Crow! Like, I absolutely loved him in the X-Files when he played Albert Hosting, and uh, to see him in this would actually <laughs> correlate with around the same time as of when he would have just finished that season. And the lady in it, she was in an episode of Baywatch. She was in was the she? episode Homecoming as Anna in 97, apparently, according to our IMDb. Right. Oh, is that the one where the old man wants to die on the beach? I have no idea. It's called Homecoming <laughs> and it's called Anna. And she sadly passed away. That's all I know. In the but, but is, oh. she the, is she the baddie or the goodie in this episode? She is neutral. She doesn't really... She, I don't know. She's going to look it up. Homecoming sounds like the episode where old man wants to die on the beach. If you've ever seen an episode of a show where 
old native man wants to die. You've seen that episode. <laughs> well, so we just go yeah, to a beach yeah, native wants on. to die on the beach. That's definitely what that one was. Okay, there you go. Okay. And then, like, an eagle flies out of his chest to spiritually, like, represent that his spirit is moving on. Oh my god, that's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> So we start off this episode in a whole smorgasbord of confusion where there's supposed to be some madness going on in the South American Amazonian rainforests, yet Native Americans are being involved in this. Yeah. So there's two totally different story plots going it's on. strange out there with a capital S. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That was the first thing I put down. Stranger, the capital S. Just the commentary, or the, the radio um, commentary, like, over the stop. Who was this even supposed to be saying this? It's strange out there, because it's no one on the show that we know of. Local news? I don't... Who knows? Lo local South American English-speaking <laughs> yeah. news. So all, the, all, all of this, like, mad archive footage was being played with... Uh, Native American man, assumedly being Floyd Red Crow Westman, banging a drum in the background. And um, and so it then goes to a container in a ship where a man's flashing a, a, a floodlight over some stuff in the container. Um, then a lady in a cowboy hat pulls up. So she just walks by. Pulls up. Don't... doesn't notice her. Like, <laughs> comes out on a horse or something. <laughs> don't really know much at this point. Um you know, she could have been mistaken for, like, have you ever seen the music video for She Sells Sanctuary by the cult? <laughs> no, like, no. like, Ian Asprey's character at the beginning doing all, like, the mystical stuff with, like, the, exactly the same hats, like, <laughs> as a silhouette. It was just really cool imagery, but I'm going off track here. So, back on point. So, man's flashing a light over some stuff in a container. Lady with the hat pulls up. So, she must be invisible to him because she's literally right in front of him and he can't see her. So, all of a sudden, this box is bubbling with some weird gooey stuff and um, and th th there's smoke coming out of it and this weird foliage and like what the hell was going on and then all of a sudden he's like looking around it and he's poking this weird <laughs> foliage and slimy smoky goop and then this thing comes out which can only really be described as an Amazonian chest hugger or a face hugger <laughs> face hugger it's yeah. like a, a sea cucumber or something. It's Isn't a big, it gooey, slug? gross thing. Isn't it a slug? Don't they say it's a slug later on? Yeah. 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 A mutant slug. <laughs> it's mutated because of the stuff in the soil, apparently, isn't it? Yeah. The, you know what? This, the, this section of the episode, uh, with just the mutant slug thing, is probably, like, the closest to X-Files they ever got, I think. It felt yeah. like a Monster of the Week they might have. It's pretty gross in the body horror going on. like, And it probably is some of their best effects work, like practical effects from Baywatch Nights. Um, it's a shame the rest of the episode went downhill for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just like... Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it, didn't, it didn't go totally downhill. Um, I just the, don't know what happened. I don't know what happened at any point in time. Like, I'm just, like, I can't, it's an episode, like, I walk away and I still don't know what, I've never been more confused watching an episode of television than watching this episode of Baywatch Nights. It's completely pointless. The whole episode is completely pointless. <laughs> I think the main point of confusion with this episode is that they've brought in two totally different storylines with two totally different cultural significances that have 
absolutely no relation to one another. Um, I guess like on the grander side of things, you're talking about spiritualism and uh, mysticism. But you're talking about indigenous tribes in Amazonian rainforests, getting that mixed up with Native American mythology. Yeah, but when do and Native Americans do tarot card reading? <laughs> like... I don't think it was supposed to connect at all. I don't think the Native Americans really cared about like the specifics of the, the cultural significance in the rainforest and stuff. I think it just had to do with nothing at all, really. Like They were just like showing them the future, and this is just a thing that they did, and it happened to tie in with this monster that happened to come from South America. But I don't think... like they were doing it because it had to do with that South American slug culture creature or whatever. Like, I think they were just doing it because this is what they do for shits and giggles. I don't really know what they, why they do what they I do. They try to gain everything they haven't got in the season so far in. It's like, right, what, what, we, what do we need? I think, I think that they saw that in X-Files, they had lots of tie-ins with Native Americans and aliens and stuff like that, and there's this sort of hodgepodge going on there. And so they kind of stole bits and pieces from all of that, and they even cast someone from the X-Files in it, um, and then threw in like a Monster of the Week kind of thing that they would do on there, but didn't really think about how any of it made any sort of sense. Yeah, I agree, because at that point in time, that uh, late 90s period, Floyd Recro Westman was actually quite an in-demand typecast actor. Um, and that that's, you know, because he was in The X-Files, he was in this. Uh, he was in a couple of films as well, I can't remember what, but it was all around this period that he was actually quite in demand off the strength off of the X-Files episodes. And... Um, so going into this, um, so uh, titles come up, and then Floyd Redcrow Westerman comes in, as we know, as Albert Hosteen in the Anasazi unopened files from the X Files. Uh, Mitch, Mitch has got a day off spending it with Ryan. There's a mime getting up in Mitch and Ryan's grill. Going, He's got like a creepy face on yeah, the back of his head. head. I'm a juggler. Why are they so in your face? What? Why is? I don't get. I don't get why they needed to be so intense. They're not gonna like get any tips that way. No. If you're like, if a busker is like getting all up in your face, you'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> exactly. If like you know, just they're having a, a nice day off, or Mitch's at least, and he goes like, Look, don't want no trouble, just want a nice day off, and all of a sudden they walk past mysterious hat lady again, who turns around and's <laughs> like, ha and so um. For whatever I reason, love this is how Mitch spends his day off. By the way, he doesn't go see his son. He doesn't see any of his other friends. He's just grumpily going to a tarot card reading with Ryan, who throws out his coffee. Like what an asshole! Oh yeah, all She's he like, wants is a cappuccino see... for the yeah, whole yeah. episode. We're, I, I, we're going to the tarot re card reading. Like, I, I'm just going to drink my coffee. Garbage. That had to be expensive on the boardwalk, too. I mean, to be fair, like, if he just wants a cappuccino, fair play to him. He just wants a nice, easy day. But no, Ryan decides to uh, take him into uh, a random building, uh, which is advertising uh, fortune telling. And uh, Mitch, very, um, <laughs> very ill-worded, uh, bit of dialogue here, but I thought it was quite funny. I'm going to find the fat lady with the Bella Lugosi accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was rather... 
I thought it was quite funny, but it was just the way that he said it. Um, but anyway, he's off to go and find the the lady with the Bella Lugosi accent. Whilst uh, now this bit alone, I just knew that this was going to be an absolute cacophony of an episode. So on this one table, this one table alone, there were rune stones. There was a pentagram. There was a bottle of what I can only assume is uh, like oil sorts i don't know what uh, and then there's a dream catcher so there's a lot of mixed and different occult based paraphernalia runestones paganism pentagram satanism a, a bottle of oil sexual preference or cooking uh, <laughs> native american mythology so like they've even got like the collection of artifacts on the table i know i, I noticed the runes straight away and i was like where's the dowsing rod <laughs> <laughs> There was so much like inconsistency on this table, let alone the episode. So, um, and I just thought it was really funny when Ryan goes to touch the drink cash, he's like, Don't touch that. <laughs> and then Mitch finds a microphone and decides to be all spooky over it until, uh, well, he sounded like a bit of a commentator, really. And then Ryan uncovered him and was like, Ha 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 ha. Oh, you got me. So, um, and then Ryan leads him over to the tarot cards. Uh, which Mitch reluctantly was like, oh, this isn't, I just want a cappuccino for God's sake. So um, anyway, Ryan goes, I'll, I'll, I'll do your tarot reading. I, I learned how to do it when I was a kid and I was taught how to do it. And she, <laughs> she, she, she turns the first card and Mitch goes, oh, the death card. Sure puts a crimp in my day off. <laughs> that was a really good delivery though of that line. Yeah. The thing is, this, so is fucking done. this part here is, Probably my favourite part of the episode when the girl walks in looking straight off the Austin Powers set, like with what she's wearing, and then and then starts talking about the film Fish Monster Three. <laughs> the acting was so bad, and the editing was bad on that scene too, because like she comes in and she's like, "It's really important. I need my fortune read," and they have like two hours basically to go like, "Hey." Yeah we're not fortune tellers and then like ryan goes to tell her fortune for her and they just like they edit it so badly with all of these awkward silences well she's badly acting like do you see fish monster three in my future i'm so trying to get the part but this other girl's got the part yeah. bitsy may bitsy may took the part but yeah it's just, it's just the line do you see fish monster in my future it was just like what what is this and Who scripted so, this line? I, I don't understand this scene at all. I don't understand any of the scenes. I, I don't. <laughs> I but this, this scene, like, this scene seems like completely like untethered to everything else. Because like, so she comes in and she asks this, and then Ryan just magically knows what's going yeah. on. Like, and she has do some that any other time. Yeah, it doesn't tie into anything else in the episode. It doesn't tie into any other episodes. It doesn't tie into anything. She just magically knows pieces of her life and parts of her future. And then she's like, do you see Fish Monster 3 in my future? And she goes, yeah, I do. And then, like, like Mitch is like, well, how would you know all that stuff? She's like, I, I don't know. And then that's when, like, Native American lady with the hat comes out. And it's like, you're one of the chosen ones. The you sucker, know, the anointed you one. the veil into the future. It yeah. made no sense. There Why? was something that I said earlier. Like, do you remember I said that there was a massive mispronunciation? Mm. Right. Yeah. It was in this scene. So, you know, when Ryan basically 
blags a fortune reading from this uh of this lady and gets was it a 50 or a hundred dollar bill or something like that and like basically it, they just committed fraud and um you know <laughs> if she was the real deal though was it fraud i don't think so well in the mind <laughs> she knew the information <laughs> But there was something that she said. Rich was like, well, why'd you do that? And she just, she went, I know that everything I told her is going to come trude. She didn't say true. She said trude. Oh, wait, I think I did notice that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she says, I know that everything I told her is going to come trude. Trude. Oh my god, that bothered me so much. It's just like, how could you leave that mispronunciation of the word true in? Like, oh goodness. And then, yeah, as you, as you were saying, Alison, this is where Hat Lady comes in. Like, it is because you are the chosen one. And, oh no, it wasn't Hat Lady, it was Floyd. It was oh, Floyd. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh and yeah, then he introduced them to Hat Lady who sat around the fire, didn't you? Yeah, because uh, yeah, Floyd basically <laughs> says to Ryan that Ryan is a seer. Something that can see into the future. Oh, so okay, so now uh, Ryan's a seer. Was this, a, was this a setup for like a season three? Like they had some vain hope they would have another season, and they're like, "What if like Ryan saw things, and then they would know to go?" This is the thing, like pictures. we're talking about. Like she saw into the future, but the rest of the episode, they're not seeing into the future. <laughs> they're just dead <laughs> watching what's happening. <laughs> that, that there's time traveling spirits with some sort of alternate split timeline or something. Yeah, I don't even know. Are they are they time traveling or are they just? I dead think and around I at the same think time. The astral um, forced astral projection. I don't know what's going on with that. All I know <laughs> is they had a really bad like audio effect on their voice all the time yeah. to make out they these are the dead oh, ones. Oh, <laughs> if you got if you had a sampling of like, let's say 30 people, and you all sat them down alone in a room to watch this episode <laughs> and separately ask them what happened, you would not get the same answer from any single person. Uh, have so you true. ever seen that documentary so um, about The Shining, Room 237? Like, basically, like, what they do is they, um, they interview like about 10 different people about The Shining and what they think The Shining means. Right, and it's like it's crazy. It goes from like Native American Indians to like abuse and like all sorts of weird shit. Um, but it's basically just clips from The Shining with people talking over the top of their perception of the of the film. I'd like to see that with this episode. Yeah, <laughs> funny as fuck. Because yeah, this uh, I just I don't know what was going on. <laughs> well, well, at this point, uh, Floyd leads him into the vortex, and then, as you say, that's where Halloween they... Horror Nights. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I, just, I was waiting for a scare match to jump up and go, boom! Yeah. <laughs> so they go into the vortex and they come across a lady with a hat. Um, at first, she kind of really looked like that lady who, uh, she looked like Carol Thatcher who won I'm a Celebrity, the one that wore the massive cowboy hat all the time. I don't watch it. Oh, okay. Like, this is like from years ago. I only know Carol Fancher because she was on Most Haunted and she uh, was still wearing a cowboy hat and she looked ridiculous. She but almost had the, the Kung Lao hat on. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, this lady um, shows 
Mitch and Ryan, uh, their future in these flames with some fantastic special effects watching their future in the flames, um, which I'm sure Nick thought was so cutting edge. <laughs> and by this point, I was already just like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> You'd given up by that point. <laughs> that early on, it's like, this is going nowhere. Yeah, and, and then there was like this weird like scene where then at 12 minutes and 10 seconds, like I had to double check whether the um, YouTube video was actually a bit dodgy because I was like, what is with this weird audio? No, I did the same. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I literally thought, yeah, is the YouTube on really dodgy and it's just like really weird, yeah. It's yeah, inconsistent. It's... it's inconsistent whether, because it starts off and then they it stops at some point. I thought <laughs> they were doing the, the audio distortion on their voices to distinguish between the two different Mitch and Ryans because at this point they have split off into into two timeline versions of them, of sorts. Yeah. So this is where it gets a little bit odd. Um, so the weird audio is basically a sort of like a, uh, a point where it's to distinguish the difference between... So you can't even say, because none of us know. It, none it, of us know it, what's it, happening. It's, a, it's to distinguish the difference between the living and present... Mitch and Ryan and the future and spirit. They're not in the future. So they're. <laughs> but here's the thing. So, so Mitch and Ryan, the spirit versions, have astral projected into I don't know twenty minutes into the future or something like. No, they're some not even twenty short... minutes in the future because they're they're literally at the same time. They see everything in real. They're world. at the same time, but apparently it's their future, but the present day. So they're the past ones, but then the. Future ones are them, but they don't know about their astral projecting I mean, or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I guess they're, 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 they would have gone back because they're already dead. Okay, right. Let's just get this so one. they they they, they astral die, projected into when they left, but when they left, they don't remember in the past when they astral projected. I guess so. When they leave, they don't know about any of this stuff. They're just like Teague has called us on a mission, and this lady said we were going to go on a boat or something. So they follow their future selves, who are slightly just just slightly in the future from them. No, but they, 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 technically they would be in the past because if they're dead, they die at the end which means it turns them into a spirit and their spirit would have gone back in time to see them alive so surely they would have gone back in time <laughs> so, if they if they were the past selves and they died at the end then they wouldn't be in the present <laughs> and then they wouldn't the they wouldn't fly the through time the to save themselves <laughs> <laughs> the way I take it, right? The spirits is... have gone back in time. The spirits yeah. have gone back in right. time. But the way I the way I take it is How'd they go right. back in time if they don't remember it though. So, <laughs> so, that lady killed the man at the beginning, right? Sacrificed him so then she could then save Miss and Ryan's life. No, okay, but so... I thought what <sighs> uh, I, I, I thought like she was to... this was just her kind of viewing what was going on unrelated to she it's not like she guy with the slug, the slug killed like, the guy. Yeah, but she turned up like a ninja behind him and she was stood there looking <laughs> proud as he got killed. Right? Yeah, she I, I think she's just a, a neutral observer of events. Can, can you clear this up? Because I've got no idea what's going okay, on. Okay, so I'd like to clear a little bit up. So, um, <laughs> earlier on, um, Floyd Redcoy Westerman was talking about uh, this lady being a seer. Now, a seer is a person who sees... Uh, or an observer, a person who prophesizes future events. 
Yeah, like Himono, so she, she saw Himono. what happened to the guy. Like she wasn't actually there. She was a spirit, like with Mitch and Ryan. Yeah. And so, a person endowed with profound moral and spiritual insight or knowledge, a wise person or sage who possesses intuitive powers. So, basically, uh, the seer already knows what's going to happen because there's some sort of like a, a prophet, a Native American or or South American Amazonian prophet. Okay, so, so just clear. Yes. She knows because I need. We need to follow this closely. She knows what's going to happen in the future. Correct. Yes. She okay, knows. Right, right, we got that. Okay. Right. Yeah, so she knows what's going to happen. However, what isn't clear is about um, her manipulation of um, present and living Mitch and Ryan, as opposed to future spirit Mitch and Ryan, isn't necessarily about time travel, it's about astral projection because people who have had, for example, near-death experiences have had reports of them seeing their own body whilst they're looking over it, for example, and actually seeing the events that are happening, like, oh shit, mm, how, how can I... I think, I, think I've, I think I've actually got this. I think what it is, you've got normal Mitch and Ryan, and then you've got other dimensions <laughs> Mitch and Ryan, which know about the future, because they've yeah. been told, but they don't, they're not time traveling. <laughs> the way that they describe it is that the Mitch and Ryan going to get the slug thing are in the present day, but their present is the spirit's future, which seems to indicate a split timeline of sorts. <laughs> so there, maybe there's some sort of other dimension. I give up. Oh. <laughs> So basically, there's two. There's, there's two. There's two of them. There's one two with, of them. One with, one Some with of them are dead. I don't care if they time travelled. They got yeah. weird voices. Just <laughs> <laughs> Why did they make this? Why did they make this? There was a there was a quote from um, David Hasselhoff when he was talking about the them making Baywatch Night season two, and he it was in a, a newspaper, and he was saying like. So people said that we're going to compare it to the X. They're going to compare a show to the X-Files. So I watched the X-Files just to check this out, pretending like he'd never seen the X-Files. And he's like, you know, it was great, but it was a little more cerebral than our show. I, I want our show to be more like hockey, where once it starts, it goes. So he's like, it's a little too stinky, but if we make our show like hockey, Things go to like hockey. <laughs> oh God! Um, well, but then, but then, this brings the question. It's just like if the seer and Floyd Reco Westerman, who's been paid to be there as a South American, even though he's a Native American, why are they coming back in the first place? Are they just coming back to put Mitch and Ryan on this it, just for a laugh? Well, what's the point? They could just leaping leave it. Forward to destroy to the man, obviously. Okay? <laughs> They're quantum leaping to save themselves, okay? From Slugman. They're saving themselves in the future, present, past. In a boat that's actually at their house. Interfere with unless they decide they're going to interfere and they can't touch anything except when they go on stairs and ladders and sometimes if they think really hard, maybe they can set a bomb. <laughs> that's it. Thanks for listening. Good night. <laughs> oh, goodness. No. Uh, so, 
now we've kind of uh, made some sense of that conundrum, let let us uh, proceed with this. <laughs> they should have just gone on the fish monster route. <laughs> that would have been easier. Keep on the fish monster route. Oh, so, so we've gotten to the weird audio bit to distinguish the difference between present and living and future and spirit mission, Ryan. Um, How are we still at this part? <laughs> so, so now there's this mime going oogly boogly in the background, and then, uh, then. Um, Mitch just runs straight. Oh, oh, can we just yeah, point out the Teague, truck, Teague's not the in truck, The truck, yeah, Teague's not in it, uh, but Living Mitch and Ryan, President and Living Mitch and Ryan get a call to say, oh, look, uh, Teague is, wants us to go and check out this boat because he's in South America and some stuff's going down. <laughs> so Living Mitch and <laughs> Living President Mitch and Ryan go into the truck and spirit mitch is like no he goes running off so like, that's my truck and then he just runs straight through it and uh he's like oh and that's how they find out that the spirits basically anyone listening to this has no idea what we're talking about i'm just putting that on there if you watch the episode you'll barely have an idea what we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> so hat lady tells spirit mission ryan that they're they've they entered the vortex and now they are living as the ghost spit in their ghost spirit form, which they are also the but no, they're not ghosts, they're spirits. I, mean, I know that bit. I know that. Yeah. They're definitely spirits, they're not ghosts. And so and so <laughs> the thing I know about that is episode is that. So at this point, Living Mitch and Ryan go to a ship where Tig is supposed to be coming in from and told them to check it out to meet them. It's um, a warehouse but, that looks like a ship. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Mitch really wants his cappuccino. Still, yeah. still. If he looked in the garbage, it'd still be in there. Yeah, he's a spirit. What does he care? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ryan and Mitch compromise about how long they're going to take to check it out, and if not, they, they're going to stay there for twenty-two and a half minutes, um, precisely. Pointless so, conversation. Yeah. So, um, basically, they find out uh, that this homeless man evaporated into acid uh, because of what was in this container, but his traces had a mineral residue as to what was found in the cargo hold. Rare mineral residue. And so now um, Floyd Red Crow Westerman is now banging his drum as Spirit Mitch and Ryan are talking to the seer who is talking to them in some sort of a universal language where they can meet in the middle because if they were to be presented as their original self, Mitch and Ryan wouldn't be able to understand them and vice versa. So it turns out that she, the series of spirit too, Ryan just wished to be back in her body as Mitch did because she's just like, look, I just want to be back in my body. And then poof. Oh, is that what happened? Oh. But she doesn't go back into her body. That she just basically just sends them on their way. Like, uh, no, you're not. And so she like, disappeared. She just went somewhere else, and then she becomes solid again. Because at some point <laughs> they could interact with things. Yeah, a little bit later on they start interacting. So is that because they wish they were in bodies again, or is that well, something they would, else? They do wish they were in bodies, but then they just go. But the seer just basically just gets. Them I was out. thinking when they can interact with things. Is it because? Because when they're talking about it, 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 there was a line somewhere where it said, at some point, like your kind of timelines are going to come together and you'll be one yeah. again. So is it as it gets nearer, they get more human or something? Because it's <laughs> close. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, they'll, 
there will be a crossover point within the two linear points of time, living past, present, whatever you want to call it, where they can interact. But that doesn't come until a little bit later, which is a totally different paradox of like topics like quantum physics. I'm going to make can I just point something out. If they saw into the future originally, which is what they did in the fire, why don't they know that that everything that's going to happen anyway and just stand next to that box and wait for the bomb thing so they can just do it? Surely they already knew that. But the seer won't tell them because they want to see if they're wise enough and courageous enough to do what they've got to do. So it's all just about seeing if they've got courage. Have they not watched the rest of the season? Yeah, but they're like saying that they can't, like, they're like, you can't interact with anything. Like, you can't interfere with the future. You're just here as an observer. But then, yeah. like, they're yeah. like, fuck you, lady. And then they do it anyway. And then no consequences happen. I mean, <laughs> I guess they die. Maybe. What, why, do they need to, why do they need to prove they've got courage? <laughs> Why? For what reason? <laughs> to impress the Wizard of Oz. You think like? I guess they don't really they don't really remember or know anything about what their spirit selves did. If if in fact they're the same people, you think like Mitch went home to Hobie and he's like, "I've had a day." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is supposed to be my day off. Listen, some things have happened. <laughs> there was a slug monster. <laughs> So, I, so, I astral projected. It was a whole thing. So they're going through all this dead. to prove their courage, but yet when Spirit Mitch and Ryan die, real life Mitch and Ryan have no idea of what's gone on. So therefore, yeah. their courage is no different to it was before, and it and they don't know the moral of the story either. So it's just been a waste of time. What what would have been the point of 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 Hat Lady making them see their future and then not do anything? Except I guess was that the point that like they were allowed to interfere? They just had to be courageous enough to do it, or did they just do it on their own? Or like, I mean, they weren't even scared at the end. It was just oh yeah, we got to do it. If she knew what was gonna happen, she just would, she could have been like, don't get on that boat. There's a slug monster. Why'd you have to do all this shit? No reason at all. <laughs> she did, she she saw into the future and then used her powers to make someone else see into the future and then do something like just cut out the middleman. Just just tell them what's gonna happen. I feel like I'm developing a migraine. Uh, I think I've already gone into one. I've gone into like some sort of comatose state. Oh gosh. Anyway, so um I was just still going. <laughs> So anyway, this let's let, let feels us move like on. one long segment. It doesn't feel like it goes from one thing to another. It's just sort of like, hey, it's just the, mor we're it's done. Just the morphing around and slug monster <laughs> walking around. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Episode over. Oh my gosh! I do actually want to show you guys something quickly on, on the uh, topic of courage before we do go on. So Is it the uh, courage. Is it the, the courage for them to use what looks like the iMovie cartoon filter? <laughs> Why did that happen for just, like, one shot? It was, like, one yeah. shot, and that's yeah, it. Go so, well, when I was a kid, right, when I was a kid, um, my best friend actually took a, a picture of me when I was uh, really fat and in um, junior school uh, when I was an obnoxious little shit. And uh, he basically took this picture of me and he put it on a MS Paint template from like uh, the mid to late 90s. And so um, this, which I will very quickly show you, is what he 
<laughs> what what he ended up uh, um, getting, and um, just because we were just talking about courage, it actually just really made me laugh because I was like, "Oh boy, here we go." So, have a laugh at my expense, just to try and relieve. Mick, you'll have to post this on the socials then. <laughs> courage. <laughs> and you're doing the the thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like that's something like kind of kind of raunchy over there isn't it the 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 piece like this way that's basically like uh fuck you basically fuck you oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it, completely off topic well it is on topic do you know what why we do that no fifa so, victory no so what it what it actually is is back in like the times when those archers obviously they use those two fingers to pull the bow so people would threaten the archers to cut off their fingers by doing that at them oh. to indicate they were going to cut off their archer fingers. No way. Man. Right. I learned something today. Someone told me that once. Chris in the history of swearing. <laughs> <laughs> so. I know in the history of swearing TV show, they talked about why Richard became Dick, but now I don't remember why. But it was in the episode called oh, Dick, yeah. where they talked about the origin of Dick. So, I feel I need to watch that because oh. I've always wanted. <laughs> it's but, really good. But let us digress because, like, uh, Nick's going into a time warp. <laughs> sort of. Is he though? Is he in a time warp? Is he in another dimension? Is he alive? My spirit is is actually watching you. <laughs> Why didn't you stop us? He's waiting until the end of the, uh, the episode. He's he didn't have the courage. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm distracted by Chris's plants. Uh, your cat and James's music collection. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, so let, let's crack on. So, like this perplexing episode is taking a lot of turns. So, Mitch wants a cappuccino. They talk about a homeless man evaporated into acid, which has traces of a mineral residue as what's found in the cargo hold. And now Floyd is banging his drum. And Spirit, Mitch, and Ryan are talking to. The seer in the hat who's talking to him in the universal language where they can meet in the middle. It's a bit like the Ajogan, isn't it? I don't know if you always bring in the Ajogan, yeah. but it's a bit like the Ajogan. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe it was the same ship as the Ajogan. <laughs> maybe the Ajogan. certainly the same set. Oh, maybe it was like it goes back round. So this is near the end. So hopefully next week's episode will link us in and the whole thing's a loop. Maybe. But at this point. Well, Alison knows this truth, but it's not told us yet. <laughs> <laughs> The last episode is the Ajogan Returns. Oh, my God. At this point, living uh, Mitch and Ryan uh, are on the hunt around this container, and then the skeleton hand. Oh, my God. Honestly, it just feels like they're walking around like any sort of, like, ghost house you would find in any funfair. And even even the the slug man walks around like he's one of the actors going... Yeah. It was just it was just a dodgy prosthetic skeleton that Ryan screamed at, uh, which I thought was quite funny. So they're in the ship's container, having a look around, and now there's a jumping person leaping off of containers. Um, and so uh, Spirit slash Future Mission Ryan now have to try and say present slash past. <laughs> Can we just Mitch call them Team A and Team B? <laughs> team A and Team B. The, the Mitch and Ryan where Ryan has a jacket and the Mitch and Ryan where Ryan doesn't have a jacket. No jacket crew. With the inverted visuals, that, that really reminded me of the film A Scan of Darkly, if anyone's seen that. 
Yeah, I, I did my whole dissertation on it and how to get that effect. Yeah, there was a, there was a bit of that there, which I thought was really cool. But then the weird mutant plant thing that's inside the zombie that's jumping around, and it, it's, it's kind of looks like it's just literally glued to his chest. I don't think it's a plant. You used the word foliage. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. I think it's... It's more, yeah, it's definitely, it's a slug, isn't it? They say it's like, like a swamp thing kind of thing. Maybe he's organic and plant. It's something to do with the, um, they've obviously been cutting down the rainforest and they've been treating the soil or something and it's like radioactive and they think that the, basically the slugs have become radioactive and then they've taken over people when it's become this slug. Yeah. It doesn't even it's look a slug. It was kind of similar to there was an X Files episode where it was like these spores would like oh, like yeah. grow inside people and then pop out of their necks. It's more like is it is it the film is it Tremors the film with the big worms? That come yeah, out the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like them, isn't it? I, I Alison, I know the episode you talk about. It's called Firewalker, and it's where it, like pop out the, yeah. the out throat. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, similar. I, I'm an, yeah, sorry, I got off to you. Oh, I, this was kind of unrelated. It, it, this is another thing it reminded me of was, um, you remember uh, the musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? No. The Broadway musical with Spider-Man where like all of them got hurt and it was like the most expensive Broadway show ever made. It was a huge disaster. Oh yeah, a few years back. Yeah, I do remember it, yeah. Yeah, okay, so this is the only Broadway show I've ever seen in person and it was amazing. Um, and it had all these like aerial things and like Spider-Man's like flying across and it was, it was made by Julie Taymor. And so like, it was like, they really like had, it was really intricate and expensive, but also yeah. a huge disaster. Anyway, so they have all these like villains, uh, from Spider-Man in there. And one of them is the lizard and in Spider-Man, the lizard is like a, a scientist who's turned himself into this lizard man. But the way that they decided to interpret this in Spider-Man turn off the dark was a guy in a lab coat. And then they have, like, a wacky inflatable arm guy just coming out of his chest that's like an inflatable lizard. So it's like a lizard just hanging out of his chest for some <laughs> reason. The most expensive Broadway show ever made. And this is what they do. And this is what it reminded me of. It's just like, hey, what's up? I'm just sticking out of the chest. <laughs> <laughs> the, why so why are they even in the chest? I mean, are they feeding off of the host? Are they just, like... Well, it goes, like, through. It looks like he's been impaled by it. Oh, is yeah, this, like, it kind of seems like they're like zombified moving around and it's doing the controlling. It's just, it can't see when it's inside him, so it's got to pop out and be like, I guess see where I'm going. Why can't you just use the person's eyes? It's controlling everything else. Hmm. You can't see inside someone, idiot. You have to <laughs> pop out. Yeah, that's totally unreasonable. For Control the eyes? What are you watching? That's a bunch of science fiction mumbo jumbo. <laughs> So at this point, the, the weird... It's controlling him like a mech suit. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little alien in Men in Black with a little cricket inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, so at, this, at this point, this weird slug foliage thing is sticking out of a zombie that's jumping around um, like the Ajogan, and now Floyd's banging his drum again. Um, if the the mutant plant effects aren't really too great, it looks a bit awful. And then there's this horrible yellow gloop everywhere. Now Floyd's banging his drum and having a sing song, great. Um, 
And then the seer goes, in order to survive, some must die. And then Mitch just looks baffled. He's as baffled as we are. Like, I don't know what's going on. I can't explain it. So I don't even think he knew, like David Hasselhoff knew what was going on in this episode. They're all just, everyone's confused. <laughs> Nobody knew. Did anyone so, reading this script know what was going on? Or they're like, I don't know. I'd love like... to get my hands on the script in this episode. <laughs> Have we got to the scene which has been ripped from Alien yet, where the... The best part where, of the Where the episode. slug thing is right next to Ryan's face. I posted it on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and tagged you. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. It's literally exactly the same. You know, that famous picture from Alien with the alien right next to Sigourney Weaver? It's like that, with a slug <laughs> and Ryan. It's just coming up to it. It's just coming up to it. So, like, um, living Mitch and Ryan scope things out and they can see silicone, which they're talking, now talking about soil and radio, uh, radioactive um, mutation. Um, so basically, they're fighting mutant slugs from the Amazon, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's the exact same shot. You're right. <laughs> and so Mitch is setting up a bomb uh, with flammable gas and electricity, to which Ryan, then that coaxes the slug zombie thing, um, you know, towards this area, and uh, now. Isn't this okay, how they got a... the Ajogan too? They're like just kind of blow up the air around them. Yeah. Yeah. So this Same is thing. the point. Um, after the um, mutant plant thing licks Ryan's face, she screams, <laughs> runs off, and then this is where Ryan is talking to Ryan. Living Ryan is talking to Spirit Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Somehow they can suddenly talk to each other. Like... Yeah. And the seer says, "Now this is where your paths are about to cross." You can now interact, and this is like the moment where, basically, they. This is where they have to make the ultimate sacrifice and courage. So basically, well, like, Jean Jacket Ryan has no reaction to like seeing her another her. Like she's yeah. just like, hey, can you see me? And she's like, yeah. Hey, uh, this is gonna sound kind of crazy, but da -da 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 -da. anyway, get out of here now, bye. And then like, all right, <laughs> like she doesn't have any like big reaction there. Well, for 21 yeah. weeks of seeing weird shit, she's probably just really used she to it. She does mention it later, though, doesn't she? Yeah. She does, yeah. She yeah. seems to have more of a reaction then, but in the moment, it's just sort of like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <That's the ride. laughs> I guess we should leave. <laughs> so, like, Ryan sees Ryan. Uh, Seer now tells her that their paths are about to cross. The ship's going to blow. Um, so, basically, it now is uh, made very clear that... Um, Hold on a second now. I'm can, can we talk about oh, yeah. Mitch's massively long piece of string that he's using to try and do this bomb? Please. Like, to weave <laughs> that through an entire ship to then rely on pulling it to move. Like, it's not going to get caught on a stairwell or anything. Does, doesn't he say when he's following around his uh, other self, like, he's like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to be there to witness it? Or oh, yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. That is his idea. <laughs> but at this point, uh, basically, um, I think it's Spirit Mitch and Ryan have to die in order to save living Mitch and Ryan from the giant garden slugs. <laughs> and, um, and now they're... Um, now, living Mitch and Ryan are now walking away from the exploding boat, which doesn't really explode, and they're confused. Oh. No, wait, we haven't we have explained the thing. What, what happens is, 
is so Mitch has set up this really long piece of string for this <laughs> for this thing that's got a spark and set fire to the gas. It's like massively long piece of string, literally going all the way from there, all the way to outside. Ryan, I don't, I didn't even remember seeing Ryan get out of the ship at any point. Like I don't know what happened there. And then basically, what they realised is because Mitch is trying to pull the string and whatever Team B <laughs> were near the um, the panel. They're like, oh yeah, it's not working. So they've got to move the spark. Like Nick, sorry, just looking at Nick lightly. It's <laughs> like, oh, like dazed. <laughs> Basically, spirit, spirit, Nick and Ryan have to make the spark because the bit of string isn't doing the job. So they do it and sacrifice themselves, which they're not really because they're already dead. Because they're oh, but they're spirits already. and not ghosts, so I don't. I mean, what's the difference? I need to Google this. What's the difference between a spirit and a ghost? Right, let's just... I don't know. Maybe a ghost is from a dead person. A spirit's just astral projecting, and but... Okay, define ghost. Maybe they don't have souls anymore. Like, their souls died in that explosion. A ghost is an apparition of a dead person, which is believed to appear or or become manifest to the living, typically as a nebulous image. Right, that's ghost. And then (laughs) spirit is... The non-physical part of a person, which is the seat of emotions and character, the soul, or a supernatural being, or or the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it still yeah. Make any sense. <laughs> so yeah, we're still just as fucking. I don't get to. Okay, so it, here's another element that kind of seems like unexplored. So when they look into the fire and see the future before all the shit starts going down, they see that Mitch abandons Ryan. At some point, oh, yeah, that never happens. And then it doesn't happen. And then at the end, like she's like, "You didn't abandon me this time." It's like, well, what changed? What stopped him from abandoning her this time? No one did anything to stop this. And so that also implies that, like, there is a timeline where Mitch would totally leave her ass behind. I mean, actually, that would make sense. They they could have made that make sense because, like I said, Mitch was outside with his bit long bit of string, but I never saw where Ryan was. So maybe that was when Ryan got abandoned. She would have stayed. Well, okay. So this isn't even like he didn't abandon her. It's just her spirit self told her to get out instead of staying in that time around. So Mitch abandoned her, but she also left separate to him. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on? What is this shit? Oh, I just choked on the water. Basically, then Mitch commits arson, the whole thing explodes. Yeah, spirit, uh, Mitch and Ryan die and I'm get wondering coverage. how he's going to explain this to any sort of, of authority. <laughs> Sorry, I just blew up a boat. <laughs> so, in the end... Away, so it's fine. In the end, um, future spirit, Mitch and Ryan, save present, past, living Mitch and Ryan. They're a bit confused. I don't really know what's going on. But the boat explodes again, sort of, and Mitch just wants his damn cappuccino on his day off, and he doesn't want to see any Indians. And then... <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on a minute, hold on. <laughs> I, I, just, I just thought something, right? You're saying that they saved Mitch and Ryan, right? How? Mitch was already out of the boat. He could have just walked off the boat. They Why saved you... themselves with courage. Why didn't he get saving? <laughs> saving at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the power to persist. There was no risk to Mitch at the end when he stood outside with a long bit of string 
If it didn't work when he pulled it, he would have just got off the boat and everything would have been fine. No, because the slug man would still be on the boat. Yeah, but that doesn't affect Mitch. If Mitch leaves... <laughs> they killed the slug man with courage. Alright? Like, that's what... <laughs> And now he wants his cappuccino. He doesn't want to see no Indians. And then and he the starts spirit. just like throwing out racism at the end. He's like, I don't want to see no Indians named whatever's. Or... <laughs> what is that all about? And then it just ends with the seer dancing in some flames and grinning. <laughs> that was it. I was watching this at like four in the morning. Mm. And then when that happened, when it's just like, bye. And then like, uh, da 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 da. <laughs> And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you're still listening, <laughs> let it alone, like, wondering what the hell's going on. Is uh, it bad I want to watch this episode again now? <laughs> <laughs> it won't make any more sense ever. the second time around. You know it won't. <laughs> I never want to see it ever again. <laughs> it might be it's... my favourite episode now. <laughs> you know, yeah, people said that Baywatch Nights was a bad show. After 21 episodes, I finally understand what they're all about. <laughs> But believe me, I've watched some confusing films in the past, like 12 Monkeys and uh, God knows what, but nothing's given me more of a headache than a couple of these episodes. Like, God, God Bennett. So, now we're getting on to that. They're really building us up here, aren't they? Really uh, now we're getting to this part of the our episode. <laughs> season one or season two. <laughs> so, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with Nick. Right. What okay. was your favourite episode, season one or season two? Well, they were both absolute dog shit, the worst two episodes <laughs> I've seen of the Heart Desire of Baywatch Nights. But I'm going to shock you all, and I'm going to go for season one because of Harry. Oh, okay. So, we'll go over to Chris now. What was your favourite? I don't know how to judge this. I honestly don't know how to judge this in any way. <laughs> <laughs> if I can say which one I've, I could say which one I've enjoyed discussing more. <laughs> but as far as watching and entertainment, I mean, I don't know. Let me recap, right? So season two, someone mentions a fish monster. That that made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, these are the highlights. I mean, season two, just on that one line, that's it. Uh, season two, because the fish monster line made me laugh there we go <laughs> so Alison what would you prefer season one or season two <laughs> if, I mean I, I'd really rather not choose either of them <laughs> it's like being, it's... it's like being asked to choose between being stabbed or being <laughs> shot <laughs> I, guess, I did I did laugh more at season two like at the very ending when it just fades <laughs> to her in the front of the fire and like just the the nonsense. I felt something watching it versus like a closer look where I'm just like I'm bored through a lot of it. So I guess like season two's gotta be it. I did kinda like the melty slug thing. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for me, um I'm gonna nominate uh season two for two reasons. Number one for uh, Floyd Red Crow Westerman, because I've got a pure soft spot for him. And number two, for just seeing how much uh, season two has disintegrated Nick's mind throughout this entire discussion. <laughs> oh, uh, I, it, it, 
<laughs> watching it was, was, was painful. <laughs> watching so, it gave I... you flashbacks to um, Eyes Wide Shut. Now, for <laughs> those of you that think, what? Basically, in 1999, I worked at a cinema, and um, it was a new cinema, and it, uh, it had a licensed screen for alcohol. <clears throat> and any time someone walked into that licensed screen, a member of staff would have to sit in on that film. And because it was a new cinema, I didn't have many films that were like 18 rated. So they showed uh, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, you know, the, the swinging film of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, for a few months. And over that few month period, I got to sit, I got paid to sit and watch Eyes Wide Shut 37 times. <laughs> it is the worst film ever made. And I despise it. They say Kubrick was a, was a perfectionist. You can tell he was dying when he made that film because it's a mess. What it's boring <laughs> and it's horrible. And I've watched it so many times, it's scarred me for life. And I used to watch it like in the reflection of the lights on the side of the uh, cinema. I've, I've watched it through a, through a glass before. I've tried all different ways to get through it. And it was it's a painful watch and uh, it's, it's damaged me for life. And this episode felt like that. <laughs> Wait, so you were supposed to make sure that, like, no kids snuck in, right? That's why you had to sit well, in there? Yeah, well, basically, by law, at that point, if because someone was drinking in that in that cinema screen, you had to have someone in there in case someone got drunk or in case something got broken. Or oh, okay. Just, just by the law, you had to have someone in, the, in that room with them. So if <laughs> one like... person came in and didn't even buy a drink, you'd still have to, by law, be in that in that screen. And um, no, I saw other films that that that, that summer uh, a lot of times. American Pie never went off that. Deep Blue Sea got better every time I saw it. By the twenty third time, it was one of the greatest action movies of the nineties. But um, yeah, Eyes Wide Shut it scarred me for life. Well, because uh, like when when I worked at a movie theater, like we didn't have to sit in on the screening, but like one time. The, like, see, we didn't show, like, NC-17 or anything yeah. like that, but, like, we had R-rated movies, and uh, when the movie Bruno came out, Sasha mm. Baron Cohen, yeah. like, um, the the uh, the person who owned the theater got a bug up his butt about it, because he thought it should be NC-17, and so he put us on Bruno Watch, so we didn't have to sit in there and, like, watch the movie, but we would have to have someone on staff just, like, sitting outside. Yeah, we'd have that with, with the other screens. All the other and, screens like, is fine, but this was... Because yeah. these were licensed for alcohol in these screens, there was four screens yeah. at the top called director's screens, and because they were licensed for alcohol, you had to have a member of staff in at all times. It's changed since then because uh, my partner works in the cinema now, and they serve alcohol, and you don't have to be in the screen with them. But at that time, those screens, you'd have to be in there, and it was painful. And my friend, uh, my friend Big Matt, at the time was only seventeen, but he was so big they thought he was eighteen. And he loved it because he goes through the 18 films, but he got so fed up of being forced to watch Eyes Wide Shut, he went and confessed <laughs> about his age. <laughs> um, I also um, I also went out and I used to go out looking for copies of Eyes Wide Shut uh, in charity shops where people would send them to me, and then I'd destroy them in different ways. And I was going to make a YouTube series of me like destroying eyes, copies of Eyes Wide Shut. Um, <laughs> So yeah, this episode made me feel like I was watching Eyes Wide Shut, so I really hated it. And that's why I seemed a bit distant and like just zoned out on it, because 
For some reason, this episode really offended me. <laughs> you dissociated, basically. <laughs> oh, hmm. my goodness. So, yeah, so um, season two um, somehow, well, given the fact that any episode one this week is a, a miracle in itself. So, uh, season two. No points. We should just refuse to vote. I mean, like, no, no one wins. <laughs> and next week is the last episode we have to review. However, I'm sure we will be working You've got around. One job other. as well. You got one job. You got to add up the scores. I'll do that for you next. We need week. to work out which. I mean, we we think we know, but we need to know the exact tally. I'll figure that out for next week. It's right. all. Um, for the last episode, we want to go out with a bang. So we're looking at probably filming the episode. Uh, so there'll be a video version of it as well as an audio version. We've already asked Alison to come back, and she's gladly accepted. Um, and we uh, we need to get something big. We need to get we need to get some comments from the cast. Um, now we've talked about it many times over the, the year. We've been doing this podcast for a year now, guys. It was last May we started. So we've hit the year. Now a few of you have reached out to us over over this year and said you would uh, help us uh, if we decided to get the Hoff via cameo. It looks like that's the only way we're going to be able to get the Hoff. So if if you still um, want to hold to that promise of helping us, get in touch. Um, we gladly accept any help we can. Uh, Should we whack a GoFundMe on the page? Yeah. Let's just do it. Let, 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 let's get the Hoff to send us out. Um, How much is he charging for Cameo these days? 300? 300 like and... Like three, 374 pounds. So it's going to be about $400, isn't it? Yeah, 374 pounds. So pricey. Yeah, I swear he was cheaper last time we looked. <laughs> it went up. He's moving on up in the yeah. world. Um, you know, everyone so was listening to, to Evenings with Mitch Buchanan and watching Baywatch Nights, and then, like, his stock went up. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, no, so we if we put it on ourselves, we've increased his popularity. <laughs> so if we can get, if we can raise enough to get to get the Hoff to send us out, let's do it. Um, well, we've got, we'll try and get back in touch with Dorian as well, see if he can give us another comment. Um, but yeah, let's just let's go out with a bang. Um, we have got plans for what we're going to do with the podcast after. So this isn't this isn't the end of the podcast, <clears throat> but it's the end of the the journey. Um. End of the uh, the Baywatch Nights journey, at least. But <laughs> it's only the start of your mathematical adventure, though, James. Where you've got to work out what the scores are. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I, I've got too much of a headache of the past, present, and the future at the moment. So I'll make sure that those those scores are very well tallied well, by next week. We need to know what the IMDBA info is for the last two episodes. Then. Yes. What well, are we? I know that Alison has just literally released a video on the last episode of season one. <laughs> Fresh I mean, we don't want to encourage people not to watch it, because that would be mean. So, yeah. I watch haven't it, watched it, and then yet. ignore it afterwards and come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying, because I haven't really watched many of your Baywatch videos, because they always, like, come out before we've covered the episodes. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I'm starting into season two. You guys have seen almost all of season two now. <laughs> right, okay, Heat Rays. Uh, several members of a 1970s surf rock band die during a reunion at the beach, and Mitch investigates. Meanwhile, Donna is tricked into jumping off a bridge and spends a <laughs> night in the water, where she's rescued by two men carrying out a mysterious mission. Ooh. 
What? How true is that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> I, th- I think that's pretty much true. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that description. Okay, season two. What we've got for season two? Season two is the one with a really cool screenshot. Um, every week I see the screenshot and go, well, that looks good. Um, is called A Thousand Words and Teague leads Mitch and Ryan to a haunted restaurant where several women have been killed and a man left in a coma after a mysterious going on. When Ryan herself disappears, Mitch enlists the help of a psychic to search for her. And it's got a really cool picture of a guy with a knife behind Ryan's head. And she's screaming. Can I put money on that we're going to watch these last episodes and there's going to be zero closure on anything? <laughs> well, apparently we find out what um, what Garner's been doing. What, for the last hey. couple of episodes? Mm. In season two, he turns up, doesn't he? Because Alison already let the cat out of the bag. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Garner's in that episode. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen that, so I did, a lot of season two has left my mind. I don't remember anything about a restaurant. But do we do, <laughs> we, do we wrap up Mitch and Ryan? Is there a proposal, like a wedding? <laughs> like, well, I know. can tell you what happens, so you can see it next time. But <laughs> <laughs> they tell me. I mean, it's just a, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to know whether they're going to actually wrap up the storyline in the last episode, or whether it's just going to mm. left open. So. Wow. It's most certainly one way to find out, and that's to tune in to next week. But before we do go, um, Mr. Nick Box, um, do we have any messages or do we have any new... Well, we still do, which we could do in the meantime, actually, because we have some other stories that have been sent in that we need to read. So we could do them as a a mini-mitch to give a little bit more time for the GoFundMe. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. And just to really milk this this, this podcast, so and yeah, stretch it out as long as possible. What, so oh, what, what would you guys do for a cameo from David Hasselhoff? Like, would you ask him something? Would you ask him to read something? I think we just we'd obviously have to explain that the podcast is done by the four of us, uh, and say we spent the last year of our lives entertaining people from around the world talking about it. Can you uh, give us some kind words? I suppose. Yeah, or ask him oh. if he will, he will come on, but just don't tell him to listen to this particular episode where we rip the show to shreds. Any others, fine. I, I think it's... he's probably aware that Baywatch Nights doesn't have a great reputation. I don't think he has any. <laughs> do, you, do you reckon he'd be really proud of it? Do you reckon he'd be impartial to like uh, doing a cameo dressed as Drag Mitch? <laughs> oh God, oh my Mitch! <laughs> we can ask. We can only ask. Like, can you tell us the nights will never be the same, please? Let's try to work out how much it'd be to get the full set on cameo. Oh my god. <laughs> like everybody. That is to Dorian Gregory's fifty six twenty five. So three hundred seventy five plus fifty six twenty five. Uh James, you're my maths, man. Who's fifty six twenty five? Dorian Gregory. Dorian Gregory, yeah. That sounds reasonable. That's Dorian that, Gregory. That is reasonable. That's doable. Uh, yeah. And Donna's on here as well, isn't she? Uh, she's Donna's only forty-two seventy-five. Okay. Yeah. So, that's cheaper. She should charge more. Yeah. Uh, who else is on here that's been on it? How much is the Hoff? The Hoff's three hundred and seventy-four. Yeah. Uh, that's it. 
No one else. Oh, hang on. Right. Uh, there's no one else has been I've on got, there. I've got an email. Eddie here. Cibrian's not on there. I've got an email for for Donna's or business inquiry email, so I might just drop them an email. Yeah, because Donna's temporarily unavailable on uh, Cameo. She has been like ever since we started this, I think. Like Donna, if you listen to this, come on. I'm an animal rights activist like you. We could, well, we could the, share the, some stories. The thing is, is you and Donna were at the same place at the same time. What's that? Do you remember when you found out that you and Donna were at the same place at the same time? Oh, was it National Animal Rights Day? Yeah, in LA or something, isn't it? When yeah. you were hanging out with Moby and, like, Joaquin Phoenix, she yeah. was there. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, could have met, you could have met Donna Vierico, not Moby and I might, Joaquin I might have, Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, I might have actually seen her and just had zero idea. Right, and on that note of uh, people that we didn't know who were in certain places at certain <laughs> times, past, present and future, let's uh, cap off this episode here. So has anyone got any last words or just humble, positive laments and soliloquies to uh, share with the rest of the world? I'll start with... Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, absolutely mind-fuzzed Nick Box. <laughs> Ain't got time for the blues. <laughs> Chris? I just want a, a cappuccino and then just get on a motorbike and fly off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Alison, any last words before we do go until uh, the next episode? This has been a, a stellar time and I'm glad I was on for this one with you guys. <laughs> to, be, to be honest, uh, despite the episodes being crap, this has actually been one of my favourite ones to actually record. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, for the last words for me, I've got to be at work in four hours, and um, all I'm going to think about is what the hell happened on that season two episode. Don't, don't go to sleep. <laughs> I'll be rocking back and forth in the dark. <laughs> But thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. And um, it's been uh, it's been a trip this one. And until next time. Ah! Ah! <laughs>